1: To the spoken spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the spoke of the Starcade Studios, actually with my guy Trevor Woodwell. What's good? Episode 185, full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you, and for you to be here with us for another fun-filled episode that we like to do out here, where it's all sports, all the time. Here in the Spoken Podcast, you guys may have noticed our guy, Mister Yo 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 Eddie Ortiz, is not here this week. My guy is on himself in a luxurious trip to España, Mr. the 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 great the great country of Spain. My guy Eddie has been uh, been tri- planning this trip for quite a while. It doesn't mean we don't miss our guy, so we always Always like to give him a little
0: shout out. The sugar daddy owed him one. You know what I mean? He did.
1: He did. I mean, Eddie's done a lot of work. A lot of work. And he's really put in that time and effort. And now he's finally getting himself a chance to experience the the, the luxuries of life and, and we wish him nothing but Not the best we hope for safe travels our guy Eddie is out there right now and he's still helping us with the show even when he's way out there in Spain yeah. so we appreciate all that he does here man I promise neither one of Trevor and I or his sugar daddies we just want to put that rumor to bed because there's a lot of rumors out there in the yeah. world of sports that we need to get to but first and foremost thanks again everybody that's with us whether you are live streaming whether you are podcasting or you are YouTubing we do appreciate your time and being with us today uh, if you would be so kind as we like to tell you guys each and every time we do an episode if you want to go to our youtube channel and go ahead and subscribe to our channel that may be very appreciative we have a we've been growing our audience there a lot which is our ultimate goal and uh, you guys have been so great and so uh, so helpful and all that. And so we just wanted to say thank you. And if you know anybody else that's out there that likes to consume sports content and tell them to head our way and go to the Spoken Podcast on YouTube, and they can find us on all the social medias as well. We want to thank all of our guys over at Starcade Media as well for being so supportive to us and allowing us to, to do what we do on their platforms each and every week. And, uh, man, we just can't thank them enough. They've been awesome to us. Clint and Nitro Noah, man, they've been awesome to us, man, really have been. And we just hope that we can give back to them as much as they've been giving to us over these last – Few weeks and hopefully in the great beyond, man. Because we have some some great plans to get to. But let's let's get to some sports talks, man. Because some some topics here because we got a lot of NFL to get to. Uh, Trevor and I we're gonna do a NFL week three picks as we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Something we've been kind of just slowly matriculating into the show this year. We try to always modify and give you guys something new each and every time the NFL season rolls around. We're gonna break down some of these NFL picks that we got. We're going to obviously give you guys the Chiefs and Colts preview and what we think is going to happen in this game in particular. We're going to really dice that one up. We're going to go across the league, obviously. We're going to be handing out some L's like we do each and every week. We love to hand out L's, and trust me when I say there's some juicy ones that are out there this week, and I hope you guys are ready for them as well. And if you guys want to hit us up on YouTube and comment and let us know what your guys' L's are, man, we we might be able to even get those on the show if we have some time as well. But I want to start with something that I find very intriguing and You know, I try my best, and I've been doing, I've been covering sports now consistently for 12 years with The Spoken. We've been doing this podcast now for almost four years now and something that gets i think misrepresented a lot of times is this hot take notion or this hot take culture now where if you say something that seems bold or it seems like you're, you know, really putting one out there it's it's deemed as a hot take or you're trolling or whatever the case is people always try to put a title on it. It's something we've taken pride in here at The Spoken is we've always tried to give you the most honest and consistently honest content and opinion what regardless of what the topic is in the world of sports it can be literally anything and sometimes it comes off a little juicier than other times sometimes it it seems like we got a little bit more fervor a little more emotion attached to it or, or leading it or steering it and we all know how the NFL season is, man. That's our, that is our prime time. You know, Trevor, you know how this is, man. We, we see the numbers. We see how our show goes. This is when things are at its best because we all know, and we say it all the time on the show, football is king. It is. It is just what drives sports content here in America and definitely here on the Spoken Podcast. And I'm somebody that is big on numbers. And unlike PFF, I like to go to real numbers. I don't make up numbers. I like to look at real numbers, things that I can actually look at and say, oh, there's there's substance behind that that makes that gives that credence, that gives that merit. And, you know, all offseason, Trevor, you know I've talked about this at least on 20 episodes leading into the regular season here. There's been this constant, revolving, over and overly overkilled uh, uh, topic in the, in the national landscape, and especially here in Kansas City, about what Patrick Mahomes is and will be without Tyreek Hill. Now, we're not going to go through that. I just want to address that because that's obviously something we all are very fully Thank aware God. of. It's been a narrative nonstop. This week, I decided to do something. I decided to look at another quarterback and what he's, what, what he's been in his career without his star wide receiver. And it's something that conveniently the national media has given no attention to and unlike Patrick Holmes and Tyreek Hill there's even more of a sample size and body of work without that star receiver for that particular quarterback and we all know who it is and boy oh boy Trevor boy oh boy have I gotten Bills fans so upset and let me first let me first and foremost say I got nothing but love for Bills fans Bills fans, to me, are a lot like Chiefs fans. Now, I've never been up in Buffalo. I've never experienced a home crowd up there in Buffalo. But I would imagine it's very similar to Arrowhead Stadium, somewhere that you and I, Trevor, have spent our entire lives as Chiefs fans at. Mm. We've grown up our entire lives here in Kansas City, and we love the passion and the zeal and the loyalty that Bills fans have for their, their team. Because a lot like the Chiefs, Bills fans have had to suffer a lot more heartbreak than they've had the glory days. We, I mean, the Bills are the only team to go to four consecutive Super Bowls and lose all four. That is about as heartbreaking as it gets. Yep. The Chiefs are a team that went to two Super Bowls within a four or five-year stretch in the 60s and early 70s and then don't go again for 50 years. So we understand, we can sympathize, we can empathize with what they've gone through up there in Buffalo. Which is why, again, I have nothing but admiration. The Bills Mafia jumping through tables, doing all these this crazy shit in the tailgate, which is something we pride ourselves here in Kansas City for. We relate. I feel like we're like they're like the cousins of the North to us. We really can appreciate and admire what they do. So whenever I come up with stuff, it's not about dissing any one person or a fan base or anything like that. But I can't help but acknowledge what is factual. And so what I did this week, because since everyone wanted to dedicate this offseason, claiming that Tyreek Hill made Patrick Mahomes the great quarterback he is, let's look at Josh Allen before he had Stephon Diggs, and this includes the playoffs. Josh Allen and the Bills had a 15-13 record. He completed 55% of his passes, only averaged 187 passing yards per game, with 47 total touchdowns, 21 interceptions, and a 74 quarterback rating. Does that sound like the best quarterback in the NFL to you?
0: No, it does not.
1: Patrick Mahomes and his career without Tyreek Hill. These are the updated numbers that I've been putting out there constantly on Twitter. He is now 6-1, He completes 66% of his passes. He averages 333 yards per game, 15 touchdowns to only one interception with a 110 quarterback rating. Trev, does that sound like the best quarterback in the league to you? It does. This is what separates them, is what they are without a superstar wide receiver. Now, yes, Patrick Mahomes still very much has Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that isn't a guy that we all look at as more of a receiver than a tight end because we know the old-fashioned or what, what is assumed to be a tight end. Travis Kelsey doesn't fit that criteria. He is more of a glorified receiver. But I'm not the one that created the narrative this offseason. I'm not the one that sat here and said all offseason that Patrick Mahomes was great because he had Tyreek Hill. That was a narrative that was given for us, given to us to react to. And it's funny to me, Trevor how that narrative has not been there when it comes to Josh Allen. In fact, all we've been hearing is insane praise for Josh Allen. There's been really no negative pushback towards Josh Allen. And again, I have Josh Allen as the second best quarterback in the league. You saw my preseason top 10 quarterbacks. Josh Allen was number two. I think he is the best quarterback in the league, not named Patrick Mahomes. Over Aaron Rodgers, over Tom Brady, over any other quarterback you can give me. I think he is better than all of them. So this isn't a knock on him. This is me contextualizing him. And you see the night and day difference of what he's been in his career, pre and post or current. Stephon Diggs. So you can make the case that if there was any quarterback out there that a wide receiver made into what they are, you can make the case that Stephon Diggs made Josh Allen far more than Tyreek Hill ever made Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah, I mean, all this is to me is it's a shiny new toy syndrome. That's all this is to me. I mean, I know Josh Allen isn't new to this league. But people, since we won the Super Bowl, people have been trying to. I mean, last year it was Burrow, and look how that's going. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I know people were talking about Josh Allen last year, but I mean, last year when, when the when the Bills or the the Bengals were making that run and, and they went to the Super Bowl, blah blah blah, they were saying, you know, is he the next guy? Is he going to be the guy that dethrones Pat? He's blah blah in the AFC and all that jazz. So it's just it's all this is is just another year, another new shiny new toy um, that's yet to you know that's yet to reach the the, the main uh, ultimate goal. Um, Look, I like you said. I respect Josh Allen. I like this Bills team. They're fun. I've liked. I've been a Josh Allen truther when he was even, uh, you know, his first couple seasons when his numbers weren't good and he was really, really struggling with his accuracy. I just loved his raw athletic abilities and his talents that he had that I saw that I think he could become something. And he absolutely has. And he's great. He is. He's great. But he's won nothing in this league. He's won nothing in this league. You have to. You have to address that. That can't be. That is what matters the most. You can have all the numbers all you want. If you don't win anything in this you can talk about Aaron Rodgers and who's better between him and Brady, and we can talk about the you know Brady's success compared to Rogers' talent and his numbers and all the you know, the touchdown to interception ratio and all these things. The numbers are there, but Aaron Rodgers has won far less. But Aaron Rodgers actually has a championship under his belt. He's got multiple MVPs, second all time. You know what I mean? So <laughs> even even regular season accolades josh Allen has nothing he's won nothing he's not he's ever been an mvp he's on his way possibly but i mean can we can we at least at least you know with patrick mahomes like we all know we, we we've, we've talked about this on the show he's only he's a slave to his own success right so this shiny new toy syndrome that i'm speaking about is this it's simply that it's this they want we're trying to find we have such short attention spans nowadays we can't keep up talking about the same things even though that's the truth, even though Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in this league and has, has had the best start to anyone's career in the NFL in NFL history, we just have to keep finding and, and, and plotting new ways to dethrone him. And that's all this is, you know what I mean? And that, or dethrone the Chiefs entirely. And that's all this is to me. This is just another – within the reality of, of the NFL world, I think everyone knows, anyone who's like in, in it knows that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are still the team to beat. Regardless of you know how the bills are rolling, we all see it. Look, they're a very fun and exciting team, but when it when it's come down to it, they have failed, and they have failed multiple years in a row to one team, and that would be the Chiefs, and that would be Patrick Mahomes at the helm of those teams. So until that is, and look, they could very well take that this year. They could very well beat us in the regular season, and if we meet again in the playoffs and they beat us, look, it's fair and square. It is what it is, and we'll accept that because that's reality, and we can't deny that. But until then. We got to keep the talking points within the honesty and the, within the realm of reality. That is what it is. Yeah, it's objective that the Chiefs are the better team and they are the team to beat. And Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback and is the and is there until he's dethroned. We we keep trying to prematurely dethrone Patrick Mahomes. And look, I understand, man. This is what Bills want. Bills Mafia is a huge army of fans. They have a lot of influence. And and also, like I said, the shiny new toy is fun to talk about on the on the TV shows. In the talking heads because it's it's fresh it's new this is what gets this is what grabs the headlines because when you you do get chiefs uh uh you know you get the um talking about it ad nauseum, and, and the fatigue of the chiefs and patrick mahomes success gets probably boring at times and probably doesn't grab as many ears um to to the tv screens as, as it does the bills right now uh, so i get that i mean that that anyone who sees through that understands that but for the casual fan for the majority of people they're just soaking up you know everyday content it's it's the bills and it's the bills running away right now which honestly i like how it is right now i like that that we are the team that's like kind of being counted out i love that extra chip on the shoulder for this team and for Patrick Mahomes. so i I say keep it going but i think for the people that are in it and that see through that we know what we know what the deal is Uh,
1: a couple days ago actually when i made this post it obviously i said it got it it got the attention uh, of bill's mafia as a whole and it's so much so that i got i got groups I got groups of Bills fans creating DM groups for me and there and it's it's been hilarious i've really enjoyed it but i had uh somebody who's actually a content provider up there in buffalo uh by the name of joe miller the third he's the host of the o- overreaction podcast and the contributor for uh, buffalo buff rumblings uh he actually had had tweeted about this as well and he he came at me and he said uh you would also figure a dude with a podcast who would know josh allen was one of the bigger projects ever drafted and wasn't pro ready when he was drafted and josh allen didn't sit his rookie year as well Oh, Josh Allen didn't have Andy Reid. Josh Allen wasn't didn't hasn't had an O line till now. And so what I decided to do is I decided to reply to Joe, and I don't usually reply to people on Twitter because I don't really have the time, nor I'd really care about what a lot of people say on there, but he said, and I, I said you would figure a dude with a blue check mark, which Joe does, so congratulations to him, would, would know that Patrick Mahomes sitting his rookie year only held him back from dominating the league a year earlier that he also was widely viewed as a project and isn't the only quarterback who had a great head coach to start his NFL career. Tom Brady had Belichick, Joe Montana had Walsh, Bart Starr had Lombardi, Roger Staubach had Landry, Ben Roethlisberger had Cowher and Tomlin, the list goes on. Yet Patrick Mahomes, for some damn reason, is the only one that gets knocked. And furthermore, because also what Bill, uh, what Joe rather wanted to ch- ch- climb back to that was the fact that it, I, he's basically asking me if I felt it having Andy Reid didn't actually help Patrick Mahomes. But here's the point I want to make about that. Yes, having Andy Reid has significantly helped Patrick Mahomes. Trevor, no one's h- denying how him. many times did I say throughout the last four years, four or five years, how many times did I say that, that Andy Reid was the perfect coach for Patrick Mahomes? Because he is. Yeah. He's the perfect head coach for Patrick Mahomes' development. So I give Andy Reid all that credit. But what's funny to me is that we somehow, someway forget... How Andy Reid was viewed before he had Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, a really good. He
0: was fired for a reason. Remember? Yes, a really yeah exactly. Yeah. A
1: really good head coach, borderline Hall of Fame, mm.
0: that had an eleven and thirteen playoff record, zero Super Bowl wins. Yeah. I mean, why wasn't Donovan McNabb ever the best quarterback in football? Why wasn't Alex Smith ever the best football uh, quarterback in football? I mean, they Jeff all Garcia, had Andy, they all Michael had Andy, Vick, yeah, they all had Andy Reid You're right. And, you know and this
1: is this is the point I'm trying to make. Now with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid has an eight and three playoff record.
0: With a Super Bowl victory,
1: what's the difference? He's
0: had some all-time bad defenses.
1: Did Andy Reid all of a sudden (laughs) become a better head coach in in year 20? No. Nope. In fact, Andy Reid's the only head coach to win their only Super Bowl after 20 years in Mm. the NFL as a head coach. So what's the difference? Who's the common denominator? Exactly. What changed things for Andy Mm. Reid's legacy? Mm. So as much as Andy Reid helped Patrick Mahomes develop into the greatest quarterback that ever lived in my eyes – Patrick Mahomes helped Andy Reid just as much. He's extending his career. He's extending his career. You really 100%. think You really think if, Ale- if Andy Reid had Alex Smith for the next three years, let's yeah. say they didn't draft Patrick Mahomes, they went and got Marshawn Lattimore or somebody like that.
0: Yeah, or another retrack. You really
1: think Andy Reid's still coaching? And if he is, do you think they have a Super Bowl victory?
0: We, would, no. we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be uh, saying Andy Reid's going to be coaching for the next four or five years. We'd be saying, is this it for Andy Reid this season? We would have said that last year probably too. We would have said that after the Super Bowl. You know, is he going to ride off in the sunset? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Patrick is 100% extending the career of Andy Reid. So
1: contextualizing the greatness of one individual player is not something that needs to be deemed as hot takes, as something that's negative, anything like that. This is reactionary because, like I said, we here did not come up with this narrative that, oh, Tyreek Hill's gone, Patrick Mahomes is no longer going to be this great player because the numbers back up the fact that it's quite the contrary. It's quite the opposite. But if we really want to go down that path, let's go down that path with everybody. Mm. Because as you're also seeing, as much as Aaron Rodgers is still a great quarterback, his numbers don't look nearly as good without Devontae Adams. So this is something that has to be given credence to how great Patrick Mahomes is in in comparison to his contemporaries, to his peers, to the guys that are his direct competition. Josh Allen is Patrick Mahomes' direct competition. Yeah. And there is no comparison as to how these two play, and who's the greater quarterback with or without superstar talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this this is like a it's kind of it should be this should be a simple take. This shouldn't be something that's tough to you know to discuss or to understand. Like we understand your numbers are going to be most people's, I should say, most people's numbers are going to be worse without their star players around them, you know. Um, But there are outliers that continue their greatness and continue to have same or sometimes better success with lesser talent around them we've seen the likes of lebron james carry terrible teams to the finals that no business being there you take him off that team that is an inter- absolute dumpster fire of a team not saying the chiefs have ever been dumpster fire teams since since he's been here but you take him off this team that's maybe not even a, close to a playoff team so i mean comparing josh allen without Stephon diggs and comparing the numbers that that Patrick Mahomes had without, and you can talk about, oh, he still had Travis Kelsey, blah blah blah. But we're talking about the two dynamic receivers on these teams, um, you know, and, and and the fact that that's a created narrative amongst all these people and the and the, the you know in the in the Twitter sphere and the talking heads on TV that without Tyreek, that's going to be a massive problem, and the Chiefs are in trouble, and blah blah blah. But yet, as you've stated on the show already clearly, the numbers show otherwise. Patrick Mahomes still wins games. Patrick Mahomes is. Very first start in the NFL, in in Denver, made Albert Wilson look like a a Pro Bowl receiver, you know. And went out there and won his very first start in Denver, and one of the most toughest places to go play and win in the NFL. So he's just he's he's him. Okay, I know we've talked about Stephon Diggs with his uh, his rant on the sidelines, which was epic, and I loved it because I'm a massive Stephon Diggs fan. I've been a fan of his since he stepped foot in this in the in this league uh, when he's talking. About, I'm him. Uh, that's, that's Patrick Mahomes guys. When it comes to the quarterbacks, that's that he's him. Okay. That's this, that's just what it is. And he's, his numbers show, uh, Josh Allen was a project. Sure. And his numbers show that, right. He had a rough, more of a rough start to his career. Patch Mahomes hit, as soon as he touched that pigskin on that gridiron, he's never looked back. That job has been his since he's had to have that start. Um, and you know, since his first season, he's done nothing but flourish. Has had the hottest, greatest start to any quarterback in NFL history. And there will never be one that tops that. So, we can talk about the comparisons. I don't really care. Um, we all know what the truth is, though. We all know who's won what, who's had the numbers and the success. Josh Allen's got the great numbers these past couple seasons, but he's got to follow that up with winning something that matters. Right. That's all that matters here. So,
1: and my final, my final parting shot with all this is: it, it is, it is funny to me too how again so many things are overlooked or excused. On the other side of this argument, because of the fact that you know, folks always utilize. Well, of course, Patrick Holmes is great. He's had Tyreek. He's had Travis Kelce. He's had Andy Reid. He's had all these things. But we don't acknowledge the fact that again, once again, Josh Allen's career has gone ex- exceptionally upward since Stefan Diggs got signed three years ago. Who, by the way, was an awesome wide receiver before he ever got to Buffalo. I know there's people. In uh, our group, that was saying that you know Stephon Diggs was never a great wide receiver before Josh Allen. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And his, I think it was four or five years with the Vikings, he was averaging almost 1,000 yards a season and about six, seven, six, seven uh, touchdowns a season with who? Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. I mean, a bunch of. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins got there for that one year, and I think that was the year that Stephon Diggs had 1,000 yards he for the first time. Yep. Yeah, but the point is that. That isn't the facts, but here, here's the funny thing. is that we, They use all that to try to knock down or discredit what, what Patrick Mahomes has done in the, his early career, but we don't acknowledge the fact that, one, Stephon Diggs came over there in Buffalo, and two, not only does Josh Allen play in the AFC East, he plays in the AFC East without Tom Brady. Like That's the funny thing. We saw the Patriots dominate that division for 15, 16 straight years, mm-hmm. right? And then at the tail end of it, Literally, Tom Brady's final season was the year that Josh Allen finally started becoming a more reputable quarterback. And then Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers in 2020, and then what do you see? The Bills just take over the AFC East. And I'm not, again, I'm not knocking him for that. Yeah, He can't control that. Just like Tom Brady couldn't control the AFC East and how those teams couldn't build winners, that's not on Tom Brady. That's not on Josh Allen. Just like it's not on Patrick Mahomes that he inherited a great team or a great situation because he did. Mm-hmm. Just like Josh Allen inherited the worst division in the AFC. Both things can be true, and we can acknowledge them, but we don't need to knock the player for it. That just, just that doesn't make sense. Yeah, to just me.
0: because you have humbler beginnings doesn't mean that you're better because you came from a rougher situation. I mean joe burrow i mean look at he was his first season he was struggling a little bit you know that o-line was bad and it still is but i mean then you get him uh you know you get him you surround him with t higgins and you you go get demar chase and all of a sudden his numbers are popping off the screen you know what i mean so we all know that these these skilled players are, are compliments to these great quarterbacks we all know that but the fact that remains once you filter all that out and you get down to the bare bones of this conversation We've identified that Patrick Mahomes' numbers far superseding any of these other guys when you take away their star players, when you talk about the games they play with and without them. it's His numbers with and without Tyreek are very similar when he's on the field or not. I guarantee if you mixed up the games and you had someone going through there and identify which game Tyreek played and which game he didn't, it's very, very hard to cipher through and pick which ones he did and didn't play because Patrick Mahomes' numbers are great regardless. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the difference maker there. We get to – I mean, I mean – the fact that Josh Allen had the slow start that he had kind of moots this point. So I don't really want to – It's just because he has a great coach, That obviously that's a that's a benefit to him, and it's a compliment. But we've just discussed Patrick Holmes has been that much more of a compliment to Andy Reid's career rather than the other way around, Thank being you. honest.
1: Something else I also want to move to that's uh, the unfortunate news that we got earlier this week. In fact, I think it may have been Monday when we got the news, or maybe it was Tuesday, I forget. Uh, but it came out of the absolute blue. Uh, Chiefs linebacker Willie Gay Jr. has been suspended by the league uh, for the team's next four games for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. Uh, The suspension is in connection to Gay's January arrest in Overland Park, uh, Kansas on a misdemeanor charge of criminal property damage of less than $1,000. According to the charge's documents, uh, Gay, uh, Gay damaged a number of objects during an argument with his child's mother, including a vacuum cleaner, a door frame, and a wall. The incident was reportedly domestic violence-related. It took place on the night of January 19th, a few days before the Chiefs played the Bills uh, in an AFC Divisional Round playoff game. Uh, Max Lepsetter, a representative for Gay, told NFL Network at the time that no one was touched during the incident. And per ESPN, the mother of Gay's three-year-old child uh, requested a civil protection order. Gay originally entered a non-guilty plea in June. He agreed to a plea deal that included a diversion program, NFL Network's Tom Pellicero reported. Gay, the ch- uh, chief second-round pick in the 2020 Oil Drafts, will now miss the upcoming games against the Colts, Buccaneers, Raiders, and Bills. And according to Pellicero, he will be eligible to return on Kansas City's active roster October 17th following the, game- the team's uh, Week 6 game against Buffalo. Let me just first and foremost attack this part that I think that needs to be said before I go into this. I do not in any way excuse or justify or condone the actions that Willie Gay made on that night in his uh, child's mother's home in any way. That I don't know the context of what took place between them, what was said, what was done. I'm not going to even dive into that. But I like to believe that a man can control himself a little bit better than breaking shit and, and, and hitting walls and breaking door f- or, w- or frames. And he, I, I believe that a man can rise above those things. I am a man, and I know how to do those things. I know how to control myself. What's upsetting about this to me also it, it is a few things, Trev, and I, and I really want to dive into this because I want to keep it more on the football side of things, as I like to I don't like to get into people's personal affairs but what we do know about this situation and it's been now how many months i mean we're talking 9 almost 9 months since yeah. is no one was actually harmed in the situation they have kept it civil throughout this entire proceeding they knew about the ruling back in july if i'm not mistaken and then in two after 2 weeks of football the league then decides to suspend Willie Gay Jr. Four games. Hmm. And it's... Forgive me for putting on my tinfoil hat here. But it's really odd timing, Trev. Again, you can sit here and discuss whether Willie Gay should be suspended or not. That's a fair conversation. We can have that one. Because I do believe that he needs to control himself better, and I've addressed that from the top. But the timing is really, really, really convenient. Because in the four games that... Willie Gay is now going to miss the Chiefs are playing the toughest stretch of their schedule and I hate to be that way but I have to kind of be that way because it doesn't really make sense how the NFL is handling this situation furthermore Trev you're telling me that Willie Gay deserves the same length of suspension that Tom Brady deserved for being proven to be a part of a cheating scandal His third, by the way, I should add. The third cheating scandal that Tom Brady was a part of. damaged his phone. In fact, broke his phone to hide evidence that he was a part of deflating footballs. Willie Gay is only going to get two fewer games than what Deshaun Watson was initially going to get, according to Judge Sue Robinson. And her... Fi- uh, uh, final uh, takeaway in what took place in his twenty-five plus sexual assault civil charges. How in any way does this make sense and how the NFL is handling this, Trevor? Because I, for the life of me, can't figure it out. How they're how they're deeming this to make sense. I mean, Mike Willie, Mike Evans, literally goes on the football field. On the, he's from he's on the sidelines, runs onto the football field and assaults Marshawn Lattimore. And he gets one game. Willie Gay beats the shit out of a dirt devil and a wall and some, and some drywall. And he's getting three more games than Mike Evans does. Tom Brady's on the sidelines, Trevor, breaking tablets, screaming expletives at his teammates left and right. He doesn't even get a fine. He starts the fight that Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans ultimately have. Leonard Fournette shoves Marshawn Lattimore in the face. All these things are going on. Real violence between two human beings and multiple human beings is taking place in front of millions of viewers. One one game suspension for Mike Evans. Four games for, for Willie Gay Jr. Again, not condoning what Willie Gay did. Shouldn't have done it. Needs to be able to control himself a little bit better. I don't see in any way from what we know about this situation... I don't know how I can sit here and say, yep, that's deserving of four games, and yep, what Mike Evans did is one game. Yep, what Tom Brady did is only four games. How in the hell can I believe that's actually the right way of going about this, Trevor?
0: Um, so when I look at the NFL, I look at the NFL as what it is. It's a it's a brand. It's a very dominant brand uh, globally at this point, um, but definitely here in the U.S. and states. Um, I think anything with domestic – when it comes to like the, the comparison between the Mike Evans thing, I don't really like that one because – that's that's a, that's an NFL thing. That's a, and Tom Brady ranting and cussing people out. That's all. That's a part of the game, man. This is a passionate game. Uh, um, you know, fights and scuffles are a, are a weekly thing every time. And what, it, does that hurt the brand in the NFL? No, it doesn't. That that stuff like that draws more eyeballs, um, and it's not damning. Obviously, it's not what you want. You don't want your guys getting suspended for those things. But that's more of an internal kind of issue that goes on. During games. And there's scuffles every week. There's pe- there's pushing and shoving. There's name-calling shit. We don't know w- the things that are said in those huddles and the things that are said in those scrums, of, you know, in the trenches of the, the Feast football games. Um, so that, to me, I just – I don't know what happened in that house that night, that night when Willie Gay was over there. Um, from someone who's been in, you know, uh, uh, who's been in a marriage and then have that marriage fail and things like that, like there there is tense moments, man. Um, and tempers can get raised. He's a young – Guy, very hot-headed football player, obviously, and it's hard to turn that off sometimes. Um, so I don't really know exact. There were reports that he threw her across the um, the, the the coffee table, or whatever, and broke things on the table, and then proceeded to break the vacuum, throw it across the house. So I'm not going to sit here and be the guy that's like, no, that it, I, she's lying. You know, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm right. really not. Um, even though there's been countless amount of cases of women lying about men, especially when it, the leverage is all completely on their side. Um, within you know the, the, the court system and the judicial system. I get that, and there's there's always bad situations like that. Um, but the fact is, he put himself in this situation. Um, he has to take responsibility for that. He put himself in this situation. This If he would have never even went to her house and knew that it was going to blow up, they're already having arguments via text and things like that, supposedly, um, about the, his son. Um, he showed up at their house at night, which is just a bad thing to do. He put himself in that situation. Yeah. You know, He has to take accountability for whatever did take place. Um and if he did you know, have some kind of destruction of her property, that's there's things, there's guidelines set within the NFL um, you know, system that, you know, you there is a certain there's certain things you can do and can't do and he crossed the line on whether we think it's minuscule or, you know, um a big deal or not, it sucks. And the 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 the, the, the fine or the um suspension isn't what I have a problem with, but the timing is odd. Um this has been supposedly written in paper and documented, everything's supposedly been set in place since january since the beginning of the year so the fact the timing is odd um even though i don't think willie gay is a guy that makes or breaks the, the odds of us winning games i do think he's, he's an important piece 100 percent, especially with the bills game being the last game he's going to miss which does suck he's a good matchup when it comes to the bills and their speed uh and that offense and he's played well against them especially with josh allen's running ability and things like that so that matchup having him gone absent in that game sucks 100 um but, yeah, the timing is odd. I'm not sure why they didn't just let him miss the first few games uh, of the season and get this done out of the way. Granted, I know there was a massive scandal going on with Deshaun Watson's stuff, uh, maybe taking some attention away from uh, – Alvin Kamara could be another guy that misses games sometime this season once they get all that settled because then he's got a, a massive thing going on as well. Uh, Frank Clark supposedly said all of his stuff, but he something could creep back up. Um, so I get it maybe having a stack of papers in these people's offices that you know they get to him a little later than they'd like. But this is a very simple, I feel, straightforward situation that could have been handled early on in the year. Um, yeah, the time—the timing—is the only thing I have a problem with. Um, and, and also the true, yeah. and
1: also the fact that. This is a first-time offense for mm-hmm. Willie Gay. He's not a repeat offender. He's not somebody that I feel should be getting the hammer on the first time, especially again. Now, if, if we had heard like he put his hands on his—that's his, what she reported ba- though. The, the, the agreement, though, the the final part of the the law, the the uh, court system was that there no one was touched. Hmm. That was actually that was in the report. I was just breaking down because that's that came strictly from the report Hmm. that according to now again, this is Willie Gay's representation. Yeah, right. But there was no no, there was nothing of proof. There was no, like I said, hand marks, anything like that that substantiated that Willie Gay actually got violent with her directly, physically, tangibly. He was acting out. Yes. And I agree. And I started this whole thing off by saying he should not have been doing that. My point, though, is is that. We're sitting here, again, talking about a, a four-game suspension for something that really just resulted in less than $1,000 in damages. Meanwhile, like you just brought up with the whole Deshaun Watson thing, Trev, do you know that after week five, Deshaun Watson is going to report back to the facilities for the Browns? Mm-hmm. So, really, although he is serving an 11-game suspension, he's not going to be away for the team
0: for more than five weeks. Well, and I will say the NFL tried to get him suspended for the year. They tried. Exactly. So this is above the NFL. That's you're talking about the you know, the, the players organization or whatever. Right. The so yeah. And do mean, you do you believe though that the
1: NFL, because they did get a third party involved with Deshaun Watson to make an actual ruling on Deshaun Watson, when they got only six games, that's when the NFL said, Okay, let's step in here. Like, that's the problem I have with the league as a whole because we talked about this back when the Deshaun Watson situation was going down, is that the NFL has put themselves in such a predicament, they've painted themselves in such a corner, they had to go get a third party because they didn't have confidence in their own rulings mm. and their own decision-making. This is this is a bad representation. This is a bad reflection on Roger Goodell and how he handles things, how he mandates things. Oh, yeah, things. that's
0: always been an issue. I and mean, so, we're sitting so here,
1: now, now Willie Gay is going to miss, uh, uh, you know, uh, four of the 17 games of the season at the most crucial time of the season, so the timing's weird, and it doesn't make any sense. If they wanted to suspend Willie Gay for a game or two, I'm going to sit here and take that on the chin, but you're going to suspend him for an entire month? When we're seeing other guys, again, throughout the years, we can point it all out, do way worse things outwardly, publicly, and they're getting fewer games or just the same amount of games, that's what I'm saying. There's no real... um, There's no consistency and there's no real like guidelines or, or bylaws as to what we go off of. Oh, yeah, I mean,
0: look at Calvin Ridley got suspended for an entire season because he he bet on a game exactly. that he wasn't even playing in. Right.
1: So you it's I mean? like it, it, and, and, and I'm bringing this up again cuz I love to diss him whenever I get a chance. This is like literally listening to a quarterback grade from PFF. <laughs> it's all subject or objective. It's all or subjective where it's like, "Oh, well, you know, this is how I see it." That's how the, that's how I feel what the league does with these suspensions. Yeah, well, yeah. I just kind of feel like no, I want something to go off of. I want a law. I want a rule that literally says, Well, he he, he violated the personal conduct policy. What is the personal conduct policy? Yeah. Give me specifics. Tell me if you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get this. I don't feel like we have that.
0: We yeah, don't have that. At least it's not solidified. Like it's it's been it's been definitely um Little loosey goosey with like who gets what and at what time and wh- and why the timing of this. The t- like I said, the timing is my my biggest issue with this whole situation. Like if he if he had to miss the first four games because of this, so be it. But the fact they waited you know till we're three weeks into the season to you know come crashing down with this, it just that's a weird thing. Well,
1: yeah, I want to know why that is. That's
0: a weird thing. It is a weird thing. Um, and I think that's the question amongst most people and within the Chiefs Kingdom especially uh, to why this stretch is, is, is where they come crashing down with him missing this month of football and us having to scramble and find another guy to bring in. And, you know, this makes us – that's just an added element to the stress that we already have. Every team deals with week in, week out preparing for teams. And now our toughest stretch of the season, we're going to be without maybe arguably our most athletic player on defense. That sucks.
1: And that's the thing. is that That's the key in all this when it comes to the football side of things is that although, yes, I do believe the Chiefs can overcome losing Willie Gay because you have to kind of look at it as like an injury. Right. But here's the thing. Willie Gay was finally catching that stride we've been waiting for for three years. Yep. This was that year where it was really going to come down to, all right, has Willie Gay got it or not? Yep. Is he really going to be the guy or not?
0: Him and Bolton as a unit, yeah.
1: And it was clicking. You saw it. You saw, I know he missed the big tackle against oh, Eckler. Eckler in the backfield on last on last Thursday night, but
0: He's made a lot of plays, you man.
1: saw how he was out there on every single play. He was involved with everything. He looked at as athletically uh, in tune as he has in his entire NFL career. So it's just really frustrating to see. I do expect the Chiefs to hold tight and hold firm because as tough as the schedule is, we're starting to see a lot of these teams the Chiefs are going to be playing in this stretch deal with a lot of injuries themselves. And that's actually one I I want to segue um, because there's a game that's coming up this week that has nothing to do with the Chiefs, but it does at the same time because it's an AFC West foe that the Chiefs just got unbeating. Trev, the, the Chargers are really banged up, man. I'm looking at their injury report right now. Um, According to this list that they just released last night, uh, according to the Chargers' Twitter account, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, uh, Donald Parham, and Trey Pipkins are all questionable. They did not practice. uh, Well, Pipkins was a full participant, but he's still questionable. But uh, Herbert, Allen, and... uh, no, Herbert and Allen did not practice at all.
0: Allen's probably not gonna play. And then
1: JC Jackson and yep. Corey Lindsley are doubtful. They yeah. did not practice both Thursday or Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Yeah. So neither one of them are gonna play.
0: And, and this is why I said. Like it's a Jags team that's that's finding their stride, man. Yes, yeah. the Jags look good. They're good. I don't give I like Nick them. Wright all
1: the credit in the world. He called this. He said yeah. the
0: Jaguars are going to win that division. If you're a better out there, I would, I would put a bet on them to, to maybe win this division. This man, week. If,
1: if Trevor Lawrence looks like that, that like he did against the Colts last week. Because yeah. 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 he was clean. I don't think he got sacked once. He looked really they good. They
0: should be 2-0, for being honest. The point I want to make, though, the is week. this
1: is what I was saying about the, the Chargers rushing... JC Jackson back on a short week to play the Chiefs. Why wow, that was a horrific decision. You saw the way he played on the field in that game getting absolutely burnt. Now he did make up ground, but he got baked in the kitchen by Justin Watson. <laughs> a fifth wide receiver five, wide receiver six on the Chiefs. Just absolutely burn him. Like only white wide receiver, by the way, on the team, which is, you know, kind of hilarious. Hey, but
0: he's got wheels, he, man. <laughs>
1: And you, I said it was a bad decision because he's not going to be healthy enough to sustain that, and then you got to look, look at the recovery time. And what do you know? JC Jackson's going to end up missing this game. And That tells me everything I need to know about the Chargers as they looked at that Chiefs game as their Super Bowl That was their Super Bowl like we got to win this game because their own fans are hanging Banners and painting murals of Derwin James causing it doing an illegal act on Travis Kelsey in a game that not only the Chiefs won But on a play the Chiefs got like 30 yards on which is just hilarious But the point I'm trying to make though is this is and I do not celebrate injuries If anybody's watched football games with me whenever I see an injury regardless of what team the players on I always sympathize I hate that because I know no, that doesn't just stay on the field those people have to go back to families yeah. they have people that it's care the about livelihood. them they have a life exactly and i don't wish injury on anybody no matter what mm-hmm. but this is the same as it ever was when it comes to the chargers this is who they are this is why trevor i said from the beginning that i do not believe this team is going to make the playoffs as loaded and as talented as they are and what sucks for the chargers is they have no choice To play Justin Herbert. They have to play him in this game if he can go.
0: If he can go. If he can go. That's what I'm saying. If he 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 can clear. I don't think he plays. But if
1: he doesn't doesn't play, the Jags win this game. And the Jags win this game. We can talk about that in a minute. But if the Jags win this game and the Chiefs beat the Colts, the Chiefs have a a two-and-a-half-game lead on the Chargers already. That is not something I think the Chargers can overcome. With the injuries, and again, what do we talk it's about? Early, what we do we? Okay, hold on though. Remember what I said though last week on our last show when I said in 180, 180, 184, that the Chiefs and the Chargers play. I think in like six seven weeks. What are the chances that the Chargers have Nick or Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuels all in the field in that game? What are the chances? They're not good. I'd say it's less than twenty five percent because yeah. one of those guys or both two of those guys are always hurt yeah. so that was their only real chance of beating the Chiefs we all and, know the, this and the only way the Chargers beat the Chiefs for the division is that they win that game in six, seven weeks mm-hmm. that's the only way because if you lose both games to the Chiefs you're not winning this division the Chiefs are going to have too good of a record which means they'll own the tiebreaker and you can't overcome that yeah so, this was their one opportunity to do it, and they blew it. And now Justin Herbert probably will miss this game. It doesn't sound good. He did zero throwing drills all, all week. Uh, da- Daniel Popper, their direct beat reporter, said he never saw him throw the ball in practice. How are you going to play a game you can't throw a ball in practice? So, it does not look good. Um, yeah, I, if, there was,
0: I, I, if there was an all-injured <laughs> all team in NFL history, the Chargers would be the defending champs every season.
1: Every year, man. <laughs> Paper champs in the, pre, in the preseason and offseason. Yeah. yeah. And injury champs in the in the regular it season. Sucks, it's sad. It's sad to see, man. Yeah. And this is why I want to, because it would be better for football and better for everything if the Chiefs had a legitimate rival, especially in their own division.
0: And look, it's not, and it's not like, and we could talk about us losing Willie Gay, but it's not like the Chargers are the only team in this division dealing with injuries. Well, the I mean, Chiefs
1: also don't have Harrison Butker, Trim McDuffie. you know? true,
0: true, true. But I'm saying, like, I'm talking about significant. I mean, yeah, that's a rookie in you know, or kicker. A kicker can be more replaced probably than any other position in football. Granted, Harrison is probably the second best kicker in, in football and has a leg, but. You know, the Jerry Judy for the Broncos, you know, uh, Isaiah Simmons and guys like that, they're all banged up. You know, the uh, the Micah Raiders, uh, Hunter Renfro for the Raiders isn't playing this week. You know what I mean? So a lot, I mean, granted, it might be better sitting him down for a little bit after those two straight fumbles in that Arizona game to blow that. But look, amongst, across this division, there's a lot of, a lot of injuries. So, I mean, we're, we're lucky. I, that's, that's my prayer, my pregame prayer every week is to get out healthy. Get the W and get out healthy because injuries is, is, is a thing, man, and it can affect you, but yeah. The Chargers just they always top the list it seems like every year and it's just it's not yeah. It's something you could bank on every single season. Every
1: single season. And this is and this is where coaching would come into play as well, where Brandon mm. Staley can rally his team around. If Patrick Mahomes was to be down, we saw this in twenty nineteen. Yeah. The Chiefs lost him for two and a half weeks. Yeah. The Chiefs went 2 and 1 in that, in that stride with, with uh, Matt Moore, who's Matt Moore. not even on the team anymore. Yeah. And Chad, Reed, Chad Henney
0: coming into a playoff game and finishing off the Browns.
1: Right. You know that I mean? also comes down to coaching. Yes. Andy Reid setting his guy up for football. success. Exactly. Yep. Setting his team up for success. Not putting them in a lose lose situation. Knowing the
0: strengths and weaknesses of each individual player. That's what a player's coach does. This That's is what, what separates Reed these teams. And
1: this is why I said the theme this year is all about coaching because as stacked as the AFC West is, as stacked as the AFC is, what's going to separate the Chiefs? after come January. What's yeah. going to separate them? Yeah. It's head coach and quarterback and the Chiefs have the advantage in both sides. Let's get to uh, some of these picks, man, cuz I want to I definitely want to talk about these week this week cuz it feels like every single week now, we got great storylines. We got really this is what the NFL is so good at, man. Mm. It's just getting timely matchups the perfect time of the year this for these especially. two teams. Yeah, man.
0: So many tight games this week.
1: So, um I actually want to start with another AFC West uh, game that I want to discuss first and foremost because these both these teams really suck, mm. but this one's going to be kind of intriguing here because I think whoever loses this game, their season's over. The Raiders are visiting the t- the Titans this week. Now we saw the Titans just get absolutely humiliated up in Buffalo on Monday Night for yeah, Monday Night Football this last week. Yep. That was not a game whatsoever. I think Derrick Henry did score an early touchdown, but after that, it was just it was just an abysmal game. Josh Allen just absolutely dominated that that Titans team so badly that I don't think he played a single snap in the fourth quarter. I mean Case Keenum was out there for like I think the entire fourth quarter. And it was just it was the Bills just completely outmatched the Titans. The Titans are just not a good team. Called that. But neither are the Raiders. The Raiders are not a good team. This is what I said from the very beginning of the season. Why well, I think this team's going to finish last in the AFC West. Their offensive line is atrocious. Their secondary is abysmal. And even though they have skilled players out the ass, with well, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, who's not playing, by the way, in this game. They- uh, J- Josh Jacobs. Derek Carr still cannot elevate
0: these guys. This is the worst start to any season for Derek Carr.
1: Yes! Mm-hmm. He has the, his first what, three three t- interception games since like his rookie season.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the worst start to any season. There's
1: no excuse! This was his opportunity to show everybody what he can do with a superstar wide receiver. And he couldn't do it. He can't do it. And this is what I've been talking about. Trev... The Titans didn't are going to probably have Taylor Lewan on the IR pretty soon. He'll he's, probably miss the rest done. of the season. Yeah. Derrick Henry is clearly not what he once was. Ryan Tannehill is only starting for them because of his contract. Mm-hmm. They have no depth at wide receiver outside of Robert Trey, Trey Lombard Woods Lombard is
0: the only bright side of this offense right now. Traylon nice. Burks is
1: Traylon Burks is emerging. I will give him that. Bobby Trees is a good pickup and everything like that. But their offensive line is really shaky. Their secondary is so thin and so bad. But I'm still taking the Titans in this game. Because I look at them as that wounded, that wounded dog kind of thing. There's gonna be a lot of those I'm gonna talk about in this game, in this week's uh, matchups. But I think going back home after getting absolutely humiliated on national television, I believe. And again, we talk about coaching. I'm going to give the significant advantage to the Titans with Mike Vrabel over Josh McDaniels in this matchup. Yeah. I do not believe in Josh McDaniels. I never have. I don't think he is a head coach in this league. He keeps getting opportunities and I don't know why other than just having the Patriots tag attached to his name. I think the Tennessee Titans go back home. This is going to be a really ugly game but I do expect them to win this one. I think the spread right now is the Raiders at 2.5 minus 2.5. i got the Titans covering and winning this game.
0: Yeah, I bet I bet on the, the, the Raiders this week. I think the Raiders win just because I think, like I I said this is the roughest start to Derek uh, uh, Carr's career of mm-hmm. um, if, if, if any season and I just don't expect that to continue I think this team definitely is going to get better as the season goes on um, they, they should have won that game they had a very tight game that they could have very it was very much a winnable game against the Chargers in week one um, Derek, Derek Carr played horribly and the Chargers or the, the Raiders still are within a score of that game the entire way yeah um, so I think they've been competitive they should have won that game that was an absolute Atrocity! What happened in that Cardinals game? The Cardinals had no business winning that game. They were losing by double digits the entire game, yeah. and then you know, two straight fumbles in overtime. Uh, yeah, that's just something you can't do. So, um, I think I think this Titans team is is, is just is washed. I think Derrick Henry. If only, only only way I give the only chance I give them to win is obviously I have all the respect in the world for Coach Vrabel. I love him. He's one of my fair coaches in this league um but this team is just decimated man yep. um and Tannehill, i think is broken at this point he's he's very athletic and gifted at some points of in, in his abilities but i just don't think he has it um granted this is a very su- uh, suspect uh secondary for the raiders that Tannehill could find success in the air with um trailing burks who i love um and he's a big dominant force of a receiver similar to an a.j brown he's kind of that replacement there and he's he's been playing well when he's getting the ball um so if they find success with that and Derek Henry really actually gets it going somehow this week, he's been pretty bad this year so far. That's the only way. their defense is bad. This is this two bad defenses going at it. Bud Dupree is not who we thought he was anymore. Um they have injuries, a lot of injuries, lungs, uh, in their defense as well. So I can see this as being a really good bounce-back game, actually, for Derek Carr and Devontae Adams to go out there uh, and get it going. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, – they are, I think, going to be possibly without Josh Jacobs, which sucks too because I think he, he didn't fly with the team. He might still make it out, but he was dealing with an illness. Oh, okay. So Josh Jacobs might not even play, which is He'll a They'll be loss. down Hunter
1: Henfro and potentially Josh Jacobs. That's Hunter is already out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They'll be out with both of them.
0: Yeah, so jo- yeah, Josh loss. Jacobs didn't fly out with the team, but he could still make it out in a, you know an individual flight or something like that. Um on Sunday, but I'm picking the Raiders. I just think this is a good bounce back spot for them. It could be a good bounce back spot for the Titans, but I don't think anyone's expecting the Titans to be anything this year. I, don't, I just don't think.
1: I, I didn't either, but I think this is their this is their opportunity to get back into the divisional fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and if anybody's going to let you have a win, it's going to be Derek Carr. Obviously, <laughs> he's shown that numerous times on games he should have won. Um, but I just think I just think there's there's far more, the talent is far more on the Raiders side at this point right now, and I think Devontae Adams can go out there and just absolutely shred this Titans defense, and he goes off. Real quick, I, I,
1: I, I want to get uh, to other matchups after this, but real quick
0: on this one, don't you think though that their
1: losses, like they had against the Cardinals when they were up twenty three to nothing,
0: demoralizing?
1: Don't you think that can be like the what tanks a team, what ends just sure, being what but, ignites the fire that burns the house sure, down? but
0: I'll give Derek Carr this credit. Um, he's a pretty Level-headed guy, I'll give him that. You know, uh, love him or hate him, his personality. Obviously, I'm not a big fan of him as an individual, but he, they overcame a whole lot last year. You think this was bad this year? Starting off 0 and two, they. What happened to the Raiders last year? And they still managed to make the playoffs. Was very, I was very impressed by that. Um. so i think starting zero and two is is minuscule compared yeah. to you know going through the coach situation going through players killing people you know what i mean so all the things they went through last year uh was madness and they still found a way to make the playoffs and damn there and should have beat the Bengals if we're all being honest so i will give Derek hard that credit he's a pretty strong-willed guy as far as like his personal uh, individual motivation week in week out i'll give him that he's very motivated very motivated cheesy as hell obviously but Very motivated, and I think his connection with Devontae Adams is real, and I think they go off this weekend. I think they pull off. And look, this is a close game. They're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So it's not like I'm I'm picking them to win away. I think this is going to be a tight game, probably a bad game, but I think overall, I think the talent of the Raiders' offense goes ahead and gets it done, and I think Max Crosby and... uh, Chandler Jones can get after Tannehill and make his, his, his day rough.
1: And then we move on from two teams that haven't won yet to two teams that haven't lost yet. And this is maybe the biggest matchup of the week. I can't believe this is on the noon slate on CBS, but it's the Bills taking down, going to the Dolphins in Miami. Um, I remember when I made my initial predictions for the season, I had said that I had the Dolphins splitting with the Bills. Mm-hmm. And I said I don't think there's any chance the Dolphins can go up to Buffalo and beat Buffalo there. They're just they're a juggernaut up 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 in that state. That's tough. I don't that. think you can beat them up in Buffalo uh, in the se- in the regular season. Um, so that's why I picked the Dolphins to win this game, and I'm sticking with that I Trevor. And look, on paper, yeah. if te- both teams are healthy, the Bills are clearly the better team. I don't even know if it's that close,
0: Bills Mafia. Get but, them. I get say, them. but I
1: did say, but I did, but I did say this Trevor that I said that the Bills would win this division, but only by one game. Mm. And it's because I believe in the Dolphins
0: a lot more than other people did. Yeah, more than I did. I, I didn't think they'd be as good as they've been. I have before. them
1: as a, yeah, I have them as a ten-win team. I think there's going to be some growing pains. I think the beginning of the season's looked a lot better than it might be for the longevity of the season. I think they're going to struggle because I think Tua has a lot of limitations. I don't think their defense is as good as it looked at times. They definitely looked awful against the Raven the Ravens. Lamar Jackson did whatever the hell he wanted to do, no matter who he was throwing the ball to, or if he was just running. I mean, the, the dude was literally moonwalking down the field on him. Didn't even matter. But with the all with all the injuries that the the Bills have, and it's not just injuries; it's injuries to key players. The pride of the Bills has been their defense playing so well consistently over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Now you could say it's been against bad quarterbacks, but this is a situation where they're going against the the I think the best wide receiver duo in the league. I think Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle right now is the best wide receiver duo in the league, outside of maybe Jamar Chase and like T. Higgins. Uh, you could probably think of another one, Trevor. I'm sure Devontae Adams and
0: a Hunter Renfro or something like that. Num- numbers wise, it's it's, he came it's unmatched. Right it, I don't even know you can debate it. They both just had 100 yards and two two touchdowns yeah. each last week. And then but. you have
1: and then you have the running back situation they have. Then you have Gasecki. You know they have Tua Tagovailoa is playing his best football of his career. Mike McDaniel's has just opened up the playbook for that offense. I love him, man. Man, yeah. I do. I love yeah. him too, man. He's he re- does not he look like a, like a smaller like Henry Cavill
0: he just looks he like, just kind of looks like henry
1: cavill he, he looks, looks like totally. if the
0: nfl analytics had like an algorithm that put together a human being it's him it's like you know like that ai art that's been going around the, the <laughs> internet right now like where the ai like, creates oh, yeah. art it's like if the ai algorithm for the nfl <laughs> and analytics like combined and morph to human being it's him he's like this yeah he's like this uh uh yeah he's he's yeah, I, I love it man
1: i think the bills are the better team but it, the, we know what makes matchups is availability. Having guys out there that can play. If Micah Hyde and Dane Jackson and, and, and uh, Jordan Phillips were playing in this game, and you were talking earlier Cher, about Gabriel Davis may not be a, a go for this game. I, th- I think he's going to give it a go, but he may not be a, be able to go. I just think there's just too much for the Bills to overcome in this matchup. They do own the Dolphins in the Josh Allen era. They've been right. just beating the shit out of them. But this is a different Dolphins team, and the, the Bills are very much hobbled right now, losing their all-pro safety for the season. I just think that with Jalen Waddle and Ty- Tyreek Hill and Giseki and that pass attack, I just think that's too much for them to overcome, especially with Jordan Poyer banged up too. It ju- it's just way too much for them to overcome in this matchup. I think the Dolphins are going to squeak out this victory. Uh, as it currently sits, the Bills are still four-and-a-half-point favorites. I-, I think that the Dolphins win a three-point game. I still think it's going to be a close game because Josh Allen is just so great. I think he's going to put up points. Mm. But I can definitely see this being like a 34-30, 34-31 30, kind of victory for the Dolphins.
0: Ah, I wish I would agree with you, man, but um, I just think – I know the injuries to the defense in the secondary um, is definitely massive, yeah. uh, 100%. But I, I, I think that this Dolphins defense is much worse than we're giving it credit for. Um, Lamar was absolutely shredding that defense all game long. They had no answer for him, and he doesn't have nearly the weapons, uh, especially if Gabriel Davis plays, nearly the weapons uh, that Josh Allen has right now. Um uh Lamar was literally willing that team and doing everything for that team and he was absolutely single-handedly destroying that Miami defense so I'm I'm picking the bills here but I think it will be a a tighter game um but I do I do think they pull away in the end I think Tua makes kind of comes crashing back down to earth after that massive uh all-time performance by him I think uh I think he throws a couple picks in this game I think the pressure I think Von Miller really really gets after him um and I just think that this is one of those games where everyone's expecting like a massive like shootout. I don't think it's going to be as much of a shootout as as we're thinking. Um, I think it's going to be pretty one sided. I think the Bills are just going to continue their dominance. I think they're on a roll right now. I think it's going to be very hard for them to stop. Um, yeah, I just I, I'm not expecting I'm not expecting the big massive shootout that uh, that everyone kind of is right now. I think I'm, I'm I would take the under on this actually, and I think the defense of the Bills actually overperforms to what we're expecting with their massive losses right now in that secondary because I believe in that defensive line. And I think that defensive line is really, really – because the defensive, the defensive side of the Baltimore Ravens is terrible. They have – they're in and out with, you know, Marcus Peters played, but he didn't play that well. Uh, he was getting burnt. Uh, Marlon Humphreys has been banged up still this season. They have no real pass rush. They don't blitz nearly as much as they have since um, they let What's-His-Name go. Um, so I think, the, I think the Bills are going to definitely get pressure on two, and I think it's going to definitely make him uh, uh, um, uncomfortable, and I think they go in the Miami and take this win.
1: Uh, real quick on this one, because I know it's an NFC matchup, but it's an NFC matchup that I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. The Vikings are hosting the Lions. This is a nice little NFC North matchup up in Minnesota. Um, I think that both of these offenses are two of the best offenses right now in the league. Hmm. The Lions have been such a fun team. We talked about this in my prediction. I said the Lions aren't going to be a team that wins a bunch of games, but this is going to be a team that's going to be fun each and every week. And I think that's what we're going to see in this one. I think the over-under right now is only 52 uh, and the Vikings are five-point favorites. I am picking the Vikings to win this game because they just got humiliated, just like I was talking about when it came to the, um, the Titans getting humiliated on primetime. The Vikings got humiliated. Kirk Cousins absolutely shit his pants uh, against the Eagles in Philadelphia. I think the Vikings come back home, have themselves a Nike victory. But I think the over/under is. I think it's low. I think there's going to be sixty-plus points scored in this game. I think both teams can score it at, at will. Uh, the Lions right now, I think, are third in the league in scoring, if I'm not mistaken. And the Vikings just had a really bad performance offense. I think they go up there and put some points up. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this game's gonna be like a 38 to 34 kind of game. I could see that kind of being the score where they have like 62 as opposed to 52. I don't know what your thoughts are, Trevor, on that one, but I think that's how this one goes.
0: Yeah, um this one's fun. Um I like this matchup a lot. I think the Detroit Lions are a team that's really been uh um, you know, I think they're the highest scoring offense in the league right now. Yeah. I think they put up the most, but I mean the the and Amon Ross St. Brown is a new budding star. Um, I think he's, he's already got, what, three? I think three touchdowns on the year already in two weeks. You know what I mean? So um, I, I, think, I think this is definitely a bounce-back spot, especially for Justin Jefferson. He got absolutely shut down by Darius Slay. Um, so I think this is and, – and plus, look, this is, this is Kirk Cousins on a noon game on a Sunday. He's going to go out there and get his numbers. I think, this, I think this Vikings team is still very good, and I think this defense can go get after Jared Goff, who's also been playing extremely well this year. Um, but I do, I do love this matchup. I think it's a, I I think this is, this is a game I would take the over on. Oh. All right. All right. Sorry about that people.
1: All right, we uh we like to improvise on the fly here. <laughs> Sometimes we do that. It's, I swear every time that, that happens cool? Eddie's not here. Yeah. It's the I think Eddie does things like in the backdrop I didn't touch nothing. I swear I don't know what, what happened doesn't matter. We're still here and we keep going baby So uh, let's right. uh, so you said that was me a fun matchup with the Lions of Vikings who are you picking in that one?
0: Um, I am picking the Vikings. I do like a bounce back spot for Kirk Cousins He tends to bounce back well after a poor performance. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I like this game Like I said, I think I'll take the over this might be the highest scoring game of the week just just to ride the trend of the Detroit Lions I think they they continue to show that they can put up points regardless, but their defense is terrible uh, they've been allowing points. Obviously, they they're the highest scoring offense so far in the league this year. But they're they're still losing games, right? So, um, yeah, I like this. I like this bounce back spot for the Vikings, especially Justin Jefferson. I think he goes off against the secondary Detroit. I don't think they have any answers for him. Uh, and they, if they try to play man, good luck. Uh, so yeah, I like this spot for the Vikings for sure, man. I'm right there with you on that one. Hell yeah, man! So that, that,
1: see, that's the that's the NFC matchup I really wanted to, to focus on uh, because I feel like a lot of the, these upcoming matchups I want to talk about are on the AFC side of things. There's one more NFC one I want to get to, but that's a later one. Uh, the next one I want to definitely discuss is the uh, Ravens visiting the Patriots. Now the Ravens are two and a half point favorites on the road, which hmm. is a pretty substantial thing if you ask me, uh, especially with the Ravens uh, having Ronnie Stanley out again. Ronnie Stanley has been ruled out already, and I'm not big. I don't believe in the Patriots at all. I've told you guys this. I think they're a six-win team. I don't think they have enough talent. I think Mac Jones is a future backup quarterback in this league, and I just think Bill Belichick's just kind of cashed it in. I don't think he cares as much as he used to be just because the way even guys like Matt Castle have been kind of calling out some of his tactics this year just been seems very odd to former Patriot players and mm. Patriot members. I'm gonna go with the Ravens and Ravens confidently in this one. I do think it's gonna be a, a tough matchup for Lamar Jackson because I think that the Patriots defense will play well. I don't think this is gonna be a high scoring game by any means, but I I feel like the Ravens are actually gonna shock people on how well they play defensively in this one because of how bad they just played against the Dolphins a week ago. Mm. The Dol- for some reason, man, it's hard to play in Miami because, you know, in other places of the country, it's usually getting cooler. It's still hot out there in Miami, so like your body's kind of thrown off a little bit, I think, and I think that 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 sometimes can play a factor for some of these cooler uh, city teams. But I, I think in this one with a short trip, it's not far. It's not far from Baltimore at all. I think it's only like maybe a 30-minute flight uh, from New England. I think the Ravens are going to win this game uh, by a couple by a couple scores. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think I can see this one going like 20 to six, 20 to nine, because I just don't believe in the Patriots' offense whatsoever. You saw that 50 yeah. 50 ball that Mac Jones had to throw to Nelson Aguilar, and that could have very well been picked. Yeah, and, and, and that was the that was the game right there. And the Steelers just simply cannot score. We know the Ravens can. The Ravens have a, have a, a top 10 quarterback in Lamar Jackson. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I see the Ravens winning this one, 17 to six, 20 to six, 20 to nine, something like that.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. This 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 Patriots team is definitely a lackluster, um, definitely devoid avoid, devoid of uh, talent. But their defense is still very good. I believe I still like their defense. They still um, um, they're still a solid defense in my mind. Uh, they, and Belichick, obviously being the mind that he is defensively, is going to find ways to try to counter your best strengths. That's what he's always done. He's done it well. Um, but Lamar is one of the toughest guys in the NFL to prepare for. Um, he's just very hard to defend very hard to contain him um and he's been throwing well this year so far he's been throwing some deep touchdowns some really good on-point balls tight window balls and he's looking better you can tell he's you can tell he's put on the off off-season work and I, I respect that a lot um he's just one of the toughest guys to prepare for so i definitely I'm, I'm taking the ravens here as well i do like them um this game might not get might not be as boring as you think i think the ravens can actually go put up some points here um <clears throat> this is one of those games i was kind of teetering on uh this week uh, well you know this is a trap game is just like an upset kind of game waiting for the ravens uh you know they blew that lead but i think uh, pissed off lamar um I'm, i think pissed off lamar holds more weight right now than a belichick defense of uh, uh that's one of his worst teams he's coached so far this and his career um i think as far as this overall matchup i think this is a strange matchup it could be a slow game it could be a lot of running uh, but I think Lamar is going to find the the holes in, the, in this in this uh, New England's defense, and I think they're going to win comfortably. I think they'll win by double digits in this one.
1: Then we have a, a, a surprisingly important matchup uh, for one team in particular, and it's the Bengals visiting the Jets. So this is this is a funny one because. The Bengals are a team that I wasn't like high on, but I was. A, it was a team that I definitely had in the playoffs. I had them as an eleven win team this year because they did uh, refurbish their offensive line. They have a ton of talent offensively. They have a really good uh, pass rusher in Hendrickson. Their secondary is still pretty bad, but Jesse Bates is a good safety, not a great safety by any means, but mm. they have a good team. And I thought Zach Taylor was on that trajectory of really taking the next step and putting himself as a top-ten head coach in this league, and we've seen anything but any of that. Joe Burrow's been awful. Offensive line's been awful. Uh, the receivers can't get the ball because defenses are playing that chief style of defense, that cover-two defense where they're just taking the top off of the offense and they're not allowing them to make those big plays like they did every single week, it seemed, last week. And then... It just it just feels weird with the Bengals. It just feels like a very weird situation they got going on out there, and the Jets are a team that have been kind of fun.
0: Yeah,
1: you know Joe Flacco's Flacco. got like this little resurrection going on. Now, I'm not. I don't think that's gonna be a weekly thing. I think the Browns are just an embarrassment. of a the franchise. Like 50 times a game. Yeah, just the way that they, the Browns just choke that game away. But Joe Flacco, man, he just he does these weird things in his career, man, where he just looks amazing and then just goes back to being normal. I actually expect that to happen. I think Joe's not going to play very well in this one. I think the Bengals bounce back. I don't think the Bengals are nearly as good as I anticipated them to be, but I think they're clearly the better team in this. I think Joe Burrow and the offensive line get this one right. I think they win a game by probably about a full touchdown, maybe seven, seven to, uh, six to seven points. Yeah. I think they score like you know, 24, 25-ish points in this game.
0: I think they're six-point favorites. Six
1: points on the road. That's all. Yeah, yeah six point, minus six for the Bengals. Uh, the over-under is 45 I, I think it's going to be right at that or right below that. I don't think this is going to be a high scoring game by any means. I think Joe Flacco gets sacked a few times, maybe throws a couple turnovers, maybe get a pick six for the Bengals. I'm picking the Bengals in this one. I feel very confident with that. Yeah, the
0: Bengals just need to get in the win column. Like they just need to get a win here. They don't. I mean, it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be pretty. I mean, a big bounce back spot is definitely looming here, where this can definitely, for especially this offense. Um, even if the, the defense allows um, the Jets to put up some points and make this game competitive, that's one thing. But. We need to see these weapons. We need to see Jamar Chase have a big game. We need to see T. Higgins get out there and get some work, you know, uh, Joe Mixon. All these guys really need to get going and get the, get their, their bearings oiled yeah. up, you know what I mean? So, uh, the biggest story here, though, is can this offensive line protect him from literally any team? Yeah. I don't care how bad the defensive line is you're facing. I mean, everyone's been able to get their piece of Joe Burrow so far this season. He's on pace to be sacked for, like, well over 100 times this season. It's insane. So, um, I think he's been sacked like, what, Thirteen times, 13, if I'm not mistaken, fourteen times. It's, it's, it's wild. If I'm man. not mistaken, I know it's I know it's double digits. I do know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's in the teens. So, um, yeah. That, I I definitely am picking the the Bengals here. I think they got it, even though it's on the road. I mean, the Jets are not a good team, regardless of what you may have saw in that, that Browns. Insanely, uh, uncommonly, just the way that game ended it's like that. There's there's the the chances of them winning that game was so low, it was almost impossible. I think it's happened once before in the NFL with that with that current with that kind of situation. They won the onside kick. All these things happen. It's just like the Jets pulled off the, the, a miracle, quite frankly, against the Browns. The Browns blew that game. Um, so yeah, I, I think this game is a, it's, it's definitely a mismatch as far as the talent goes. Um, this could also be a game where Joe Flacco absolutely shits the bed and kind of goes back to his old ways and throws numerous picks and you know, fumbles and blah, blah, blah. That can definitely, if if the Bengals defense, who I think is a fairly talented, good defense, and they haven't shown that so far, really really so far. But I think if they can definitely get after uh, Flacco, um, and this could be an absolute blowout. But I think uh, until I see otherwise, the Bengals are not very competitive. And um, I I, I think they win this game, but I'm betting on the six. I think they win by at least six, though.
1: And then we have uh, another AFC matchup that I want to get to as well. It's a game that we kind of talked about just a minute ago when it comes to the Jaguars and Chargers. Uh, initially, I thought this would be a, a game that the Chargers should, should win pretty convincingly because although I, was, uh, I believe the Jags are kind of like the, the Lions of the AFC where they're really fun but don't win a lot of games, I feel like these two teams are going in opposite directions already. I feel like the Jaguars are a team that people really need to start paying attention to. Uh, I feel that's a, that's a team that Doug Peterson, who I was big on and I said a year ago, would be the perfect head coach for not only the, the Jaguars as a whole, but Trevor Lawrence in particular, uh, ended up becoming their head coach. And, we're, and I knew that he was going to be a guy that, that turns this franchise around for the first time in a very long time, and it's already happening. Now, I still don't think the Jaguars are a playoff team. I could be wrong about that. But I do think that they've they've caught a stride where they can get hot for a full month. Mm. I feel like they're a team that could really have a good month. And I feel like the Chargers are catching the Jaguars at the worst time imaginable. Because not only are the the Jaguars looking really good, but the Chargers are banged up, man. We've already talked about it, so we don't need to go through the whole list again. But Justin Herbert may not play in this game. And if Justin Herbert doesn't play, the Chargers aren't winning this game. Because as much as we all like Chase Daniel here locally, let's be real. Uh, that, he's not going to lead you to a victory here, no matter how good your defense is. Unless, unless you think that the, the Chargers defense can just dominate Trevor Lawrence in the offense that much so, if that's going to happen, this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I don't anticipate that to happen. I think the Jaguars are going to actually go up there and upset the Chargers in LA, man. This and this is funny. This might be one of the few games where the Chargers have a home court, home field advantage because mm. the Jaguars fans don't travel. It's oh, not yeah. like a big, huge. We fan all know base. Duval,
0: man. They, yeah. they travel well.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying though is that I don't think they're going to travel across the country. Is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be this huge household of Jags fans. I think that the Chargers can actually have a little bit of an advantage at home this time. Maybe. And so it just kind of sucks that this is how it's kind of playing out for them. Is that their one home game where they could legitimately have a home field advantage? I, I don't I don't think it's going to matter. I think the Jaguars are going to win a close game here in, in LA.
0: Yeah, I think even if Justin Herbert uh plays this game and he toughs it out and plays, I I think the Jags win. Um even if he does play. I think he um I don't know. I think I love this defense of the Jags right now. I love the defensive line and that they really really get after people. Um so I'm not I, I'm not really sure what's going on in the stream right now, but I, my camera just went down. So if you guys see uh, my camera go down, we might just have to deal with it like that for now. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, that's fine. But uh, sorry to anybody who's watching the stream. Um, if you're listening to this after the fact, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just continue. I think I think um, I think the Jags win this game. I really do. I think I think I love the defense and I love what um, Coach Peterson's been doing with that offense over there. I really do. Um, and I think I think that they have. I think this is a bad matchup for the for the Charges right now. Um, like I said, I think that defensive front for the the Jags uh, might be going, getting after Justin Herbert or whoever. If it's Chase Daniel, this game's over in my mind. I yeah. think he's going to go out there and make a lot of mistakes. That's a, that's a rough game to be thrown into. And I know we're talking about the Jags. As said there's some really good team all of a sudden. I just really like what I've seen from them. Uh, right. And, you know, with, with um, Josh Allen out there, you know, um, I just I think – I think this is just a rowdy bunch, and they're really rallying around coach, and they've really bought in. And they look at this team's hungry after what they went through last year with their coaching situation. Yeah, you know, what I mean, so this is a team that really wants to make a name for themselves. And I have never not believed in Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a very, I think he's a good, accurate quarterback. He's struggling with downfield, some certain downfield throws, but he's got good, speedy guys around him um, in the running game. They're both the running backs, Etienne and, and, and uh, Robinson, are both really, really good running backs. If they they get their running game going and make Trevor Lawrence that much more comfortable. I think this is a game, man, where they can go in and win regardless of who the Chargers are out there. And the Chargers, obviously, we've talked about their list of injuries. But even if Herbert goes out there and he's not 100%, I can see him making some mistakes against this defense. And I can see this, this defensive line giving him trouble. And I'm taking the Jags whether he plays or not. Yeah. I like it. A
1: yeah. couple, more, couple more matchups I want to get to before we get to the ultimate matchup of the week because we all know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get to uh, the – let's see here. Are we had them oh, yeah. So we have the Packers visiting the Buccaneers. This one to me is like the injury bowl because both these teams are just completely depleted right now of of their actual um, key talent. We don't know that. Aaron Rodgers needs all the help he can get at the wide receiver position. Well, now we're hearing that Alan Lazard's banged up. Sammy Watkins is going to miss, like, I think his 20th game since, like, 2018. Um, yeah, we, we, luckily, he has a stable of good running backs, but the problem with that is the Buccaneers have such a great defense, especially in that front seven. It's going to be really hard for the Packers to run the ball if they can't throw the ball. Mm. Um, I do think, as crazy as this sounds to some, close your ears if this offends you, I do think the Packers have the quarterback advantage in this one because I think I think that Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback between him and Tom Brady, especially at this point. Uh, I think that he just plays better overall football. And with Tom Brady having a finger injury on his throwing hand, uh, I think they're on their third or fourth string right tackle or left tackle in this game, if I'm not mistaken. We obviously know they have a ton of injury concerns on their offensive line and in their offense as a whole. Having said all that, as crazy as this sounds to some people, I'm actually going to take the Bucks in this one because of the fact that I think that the defense is just going to be such a... You saw the way it happened with the Saints game last week. And again, Aaron Rodgers is better than Jameis Winston. I don't even need to address that. But it was the fact that the the Saints literally couldn't get anything going offensively. And the defense for the Buccaneers just made the day very long and very hard. And I think that this is the kind of game where Tom Brady doesn't have to be special for the defense to make a big decision. And furthermore, Aaron Rodgers historically has just not played well in Florida. And I think against the... I think against the Bucks, I think he's 1-3, uh, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. It just it, I don't think this is a good matchup for the Packers. I think the Packers are the better team. I think Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback, but again, like I said about the Jaguars and Chargers catching each other at such a weird time, I think this is going to be really ugly, really grueling. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to really struggle to get anything going downfield. I think the Buccaneers are going to squeak out a really ugly home victory. It is also their first home game, so you know their fans are going to be jacked and juiced and ready to go. I think Todd Bowles is going to have some really good dial-ups on his Defensive side of things, and I think the Bucks win this game like 17 to 13 or 16 to 12, something like that. It's gonna be really ugly
0: kind of game, and I think the Bucks squeak it out. I think this is gonna be a great defensive performance from the Packers. Um Tom Brady has scored the, 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 the the Bucks offense has scored two touchdowns in two weeks. Um and now he's without his number one and possibly his number two receiver, and Leonard Fournette is banged up and the offensive line might be the worst in football. Yeah. Um I think this is a game where the the, the Packers defensive line just p- pins their ears back and just goes and give Tom Brady hell, and that's what I expect. Um, and I also expect AJ Brown, and, um, or AJ Brown, AJ Dillon, and um, and Aaron Jones really get the ground game going. Um, this is a great defense by the Bucks. I'm not even gonna. They're arguably the best defense, defensive line and defensive unit in the NFL right now. But they've also played pretty bad offenses so far. They haven't played in great. Dak got hurt and he was banged up in that game. Cowboys offense hasn't really been what it was supposed to be. And Jameis Winston absolutely went full Jameis in that game against the Bucs. Um, they have not played any good offenses yet. I think this Packers offense is good. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to find a way to win this game. I think he's going to, as the season goes on, he's going to find uh, some connections with, with Dobbs and these uh, you know these other guys, these younger guys. Uh, Samuel Watkins is out, I guess. Um, but that's he's really just been a deep breath for them, just kind of stretch the field. Um, but I, I I can see Aaron Aaron Rodgers and um, these running backs and you know possibly the tight end um, Randall Cobb a couple of these guys that he has connections with getting the job done and I think it's going to be more about the defense of the Packers than it is about the offense of the the Packers um, even though I think the Packers will obviously outscore the Bucks but two touchdowns in two weeks from Tom Brady doesn't have his number one weapon doesn't have his safety blanket at tight end anymore. Lenny's banged up. Who knows who their backup running back is? Their offensive line is terrible. Who's he going to throw to? You know what I mean? So, Scooter? Yeah, I mean, if he's, he's going to be in the I, give me the Packers all day on this. Um, I think this is a game where Aaron Rodgers is very aware of his – he's very aware. He got, even he got interviewed about it. I'm uh, talking about, well, we better play better than we did last time. A- Aaron Rodgers is very aware of the situation and how he's been played poorly in Miami or in, in Florida in general and um, has lost his, um, his, his last game. In you know pretty bad fashion against Tom Brady last time, and he understands the, the you know the the importance of this game, um, getting getting that off his back. So I expect Aaron Rodgers to be locked in on this game. I think Tom Brady is really really out of it right now. I think we all see that he's very flustered, easily flustered more than normal, and he's a flustered kind of guy. Um, but I expect I expect Aaron Rodgers to get the better of Tom Brady. I think this defense is really, really, really going to get the best of Tom Brady. Um, that line stand no, stands no chance in my mind. I have the pa- The Packers are uh, uh, like a one point five underdog, I believe. Um, so I, I actually have the Packers winning by at least three. So I think this going to be is going to be this could be definitely a snooze fest, more of a defensive game, which is what I'm kind of expecting. Um, but I, you, I agree the better quarterback in this situation is Aaron Rodgers and the better defense in this game is going to be the Packers because that O-line of the Bucks. So I had the Packers win this one.
1: I, hey, you know, I hope you're right because of the fact that I had the Packers as one of the best teams in the NFC and I had the Bucks missing the playoffs entirely. I definitely wouldn't expect the Bucks to start the season off 3-0 and before they lose to the Chiefs next week. But that's just me. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And, and I, obviously, I hope you're right. And I think the Packers are the better team. So you could very well be right. We could, these, I think the
0: Bucks are lucky to be 2-0 right
1: now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think because of the fact that Jameis Winston had multiple fractures in his back is the reason why a lot of what happened in that game last week is what happened in right. that game last week. And, and they didn't have Alvin Kamara as well. So that, that definitely plays a factor. One more game that I want to get to on the slate. Uh, 49ers visit the uh, the Broncos. The 49ers are a point-and-a-half favorite. The under is 44. This is going to be on uh, Sunday Night Football. On NBC, uh, we... <laughs> Trevor, you, you picked the Broncos to finish last, last in the AFC West. I picked them to finish third just because I think they're just a, a tad better than the Raiders this season. They have, I, think, I still think Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Derek Carr, even though he hasn't really shown us any reason to believe that. The red zone offense is by far the worst in the NFL. Russell Wilson's been by far the worst red zone quarterback in the NFL, regardless as much as I want to give the Broncos an opportunity to redeem themselves in this one, and as much as it hurts me to say that Trey Lance, who look actually it's showing that he might actually be back in November, even though I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be their quarterback probably Way for the go. foreseeable future, f- future yeah. um, I, I still think the 49ers are clearly in a different class than the the Broncos, and this is the kind of game that Kyle Shanahan actually lives for, and ironically, it's in a place where his dad ruled and reigned for many years. Mm-hmm. I think he understands the atmosphere, he understands the environment, he knows to get his team prepared, and that thin air up there in Denver, until the Broncos can show me that they can win a game that is actually a substantial victory, let alone beat a team like the 49ers, who are a, a team that could very well get to the Super Bowl again, I don't see any scenario in which the Broncos win this game with both teams healthy or both teams where they're at right now. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, you could make the, the argument right now is the better quarterback in this matchup. You could legitimately say that right now, and I don't like Jim. I'm not a big fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, but he played better in that game against the Seahawks last week than Russell's played in two weeks. For sure, and, and then he played the Seahawks. So I just I, I don't see a, a way that the Broncos win this one. In fact, I think the Niners can win this game comfortably. Um, the Broncos' offense looks awful, and they're banged up in their secondary. As- no, Jerry uh, Judy. no, Jerry Judy's going to be out there no further offense. Uh, Tim Packers' already been out. Uh, Asante or not, Asante Samuel, uh, Cor- uh, Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, and um. Uh, Patrick Sertan Sertan, He may not play I think I think he might play But Isaiah Isaiah Simmons Is already out And their defense Wasn't good before then I think, the, I think the, the the 49ers win this one. I think they they I think they score in the mid-20s, and I'd be shocked if the Broncos get in the 20s. I think this could be like a 27-17 kind of
0: victory for the
1: 49ers. How do you see this one?
0: Yeah, I know I teased you the other night about me picking the Broncos. I was just fucking with you. <laughs> okay. um, I'm definitely not picking the Broncos in this game. I think the Niners win. I think they're the better team and the Farley better coached. That matters the most in this situation. Right. I think the knowing situational football and the, and the blunders that the Broncos continue to show, their own fan base having to count down the play clock um, – uh yeah, this is and like you said, until the Broncos can prove otherwise, they can win a game handedly and be con- look like an actually competent and confident team out there. Um, which is really puzzling the way this they, they, they've been they've been coached and the way they've been playing is just really strange. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm picking the, the Niners here. I think that they get their running game going. I don't think Garoppolo is gonna have to be great to go in this game. I think they can go play it as a safe. You know Garoppolo kind of game get Debo the ball you know do a lot of in round trickery kind of stuff get the get the ball in the playmakers hands let them you know create plays and get yards after the catch and so on and so forth I think George Kittle is going to go here mm-hmm. uh, I think that's super helpful that's the safety blanket for, for Garoppolo since he's been a part of this team um, so yeah I, I I think I think the it's it's a close spread too I think the the Broncos are only like. Underdog no. underdog by like a point and a half or yeah two point, or yeah so but that
1: basically tells you that if this was game was in san francisco they mm. would be a four and a half five point favorite
0: for sure which means that vegas clearly believes in the niners in this one for sure i mean i guess i can so i can see brandy ioka going to having a big game i can see george Kittle having a welcome home kind of game a uh, welcome back kind of game since it's on the road but um yeah i gotta see it from the broncos first and I, I told you from the get-go i didn't i had them finishing last in this division i'd never believed in them um i needed I, I'm always nervous when a whole lot of changes happen in one offseason and everyone just expects it just to gel right away. That's not the case. I think Hackett might lose his job this season before it's over. I, I, I agree. I, I think that's very well going to happen. Yeah, I, think that can, I agree. I think that could definitely happen. Um, I think I think Nick Wright talked about this. Shout out Nick Wright. I uh, talked about how, you know, how the Broncos expected to get Aaron Rodgers. That's the only real reason they brought Hackett over here because they thought that would be a way to lure Aaron Rodgers, and that didn't happen. That plan fell through, so they had to take their second best option. They, they were able to lure Russell Wilson over here, so – and he's looked bad. He has not been good. I think he's washed at this point overall. He doesn't use his legs anymore. He looks scared to run. Um, very timid at throwing the ball. He's, he's had his yards a couple of games, but I just don't like this Broncos team. I didn't believe in them this season. Maybe maybe moving forward uh, with some new leadership and ownership in this at the, at the helm of that. Yeah, sure, but I am taking the, the Niners to comfortably win this one, man.
1: That's the way we see things going outside of what we uh, are going to cover here when it comes to the Chiefs each and every week. Uh, Let us know what you guys think as far as the matchups. We post ours each and every Sunday morning before the full slate actually goes down as we do each and every week. But let's get to the thing that you guys have all been waiting for the most, and it's the Chiefs visiting the Colts. Trev, you remember when we did our prediction show, there was a team in the AFC that I was big on this year. Mm -hmm. I went on multiple different shows. Talked this team up, praised them, told them I thought they had an incredible offseason, and it was the Indianapolis Colts. I felt that Matt Ryan was an upgrade from Carson Wentz. I felt like this was a team that was just on the precipice, the cusp, and the verge of doing something awesome. They were a 9-win team last year and should have won 12-13 games. I felt like that team was right back. And before the season starts, Shaq Leonard's out and uh, Shaq Leonard's not playing this week against the Chiefs either. Mm. Matt Ryan looks like a legitimate 37-year-old quarterback. He looks absolutely washed. Jonathan Taylor, for whatever reason, cannot get anything going in the run game. Their offensive line, who I thought was going to be a top-five offensive line in this league, has been anything but in a top-five offensive line. They've been a bottom-five offensive line in some regard. And Frank Reich, for whatever reason, man, just cannot get his team going. And I'm not going to make any excuses about it. This is a team that I was big on, and right now I've been 100% wrong about it. In fact, this is a game that going into the season I did predict the Chiefs would lose. I said this is going to be a game where the Chiefs would have a very close narrow victory or narrow loss. Hmm. The Chiefs would only lose four games all season in my prediction. It was going to be the Colts at 49ers. Uh, I believe the Rams would visit here in Kansas City and beat the Chiefs, and then the Chiefs would lose their final game against the Raiders because it wouldn't matter at that point. They're going to rest the starters because the Colts own the tiebreaker, and no matter if the Chiefs won or lost, they wouldn't get the one seed. Right. That's not going to happen now. Chiefs are not going to lose this game, and I'm just going to put that out there right now. I, I feel that this is a nuanced conversation. We all know how this goes. Predictions are made, and predictions can either look really good or really bad. Right now, this prediction of mine looks awful. The Colts look awful. My prediction looks as bad as the Colts do right now. Yeah. And as good as the Chiefs look right now, coming off 14 or 13 days of rest, uh, by the way, the Chiefs have the longest winning streak of extended after extended rest. They have nine straight victories. After extended rest, longest in the NFL right now. And they're 2-1 and one after Thursday night football games with Patrick Mahomes, mm. averaging 30 points a game. Uh, Shout-out to our guys Marcus Dash and Jason Dunn from Chief Concerns. They dropped this stat just yesterday. Patrick Mahomes playing in a dome in his career. They're 7-0. He has 2,395 yards, which if I do this real quick, and I do the numbers because I like this stuff, 2,395 yards, that is 342 yards per game that, that Patrick Holmes throws in domes in his NFL career. He's good. 20 touchdowns to two interceptions. He has almost 200 rushing yards, a 65 completion percentage, and again, 7-0. Now, if you look at those previous seven teams, I would have to imagine the Colts, as they are currently constructed, are one of the bottom of those seven teams they faced in a dome. And I don't think that's going to change this week. I do, however, Trevor, anticipate that the Colts are going to come out here and play as hard as they can because they know this is their season. Not that the division's any good. Like, they could still end up winning this division. But I think that if you continue to lose games early in the season, it's really hard to climb out of that. And when you start 0-2, the, the numbers show it historically. When you teams start 0-2 in the league, I think they have less than a 30% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. You put yourself behind the eight ball like that with an aging quarterback that can't win you games... It's in a banged-up defense. Shaq Leonard is one of the best defensive players in the league, and he hasn't played yet this season. He won't play in this one. I think Travis Kelsey's is going to have a massive game. I really, really do. And I made a prediction on Twitter yesterday and on Facebook. I think George Karloftis gets his first career sack in this one right. as well. I think that George Karloftis is going to play really well because also a tactile, multiple tackles for the Colts offensive line are banged up and may not play in this one as well. Yeah. So although this was initially a game I had the Chiefs losing, and I felt very confident about that. I feel just as confident, in fact, even more confident that won't happen. I think the, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have himself a four four touchdown game. I don't think the Colts match up with the Chiefs well at all in any regard. They, there's no matchup that I look at and say, man, the Colts got a real advantage there. They don't have it at qu- head coach. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have it at skill positions. Even with Michael Pittman on the field, if he ends up going, they don't. I think they have it at running back. But in a game like this, it's not going to matter because if you're down 14 or 17 to nothing before the second quarter even kicks off. What good is Jonathan Taylor to you? You saw that multiple times throughout the last season when the Chiefs would get up on teams that have really good running backs. It doesn't really matter what you do. So I I just think the Chiefs are going to take care of business as the one they're going to come in here rested. I don't like they don't have have Harrison Butker still. I don't like they don't have Trent McDuffin. I definitely don't like they don't have Willie Gay. But the Chiefs are clearly the better team. The Chiefs fans are going to travel really well, as they always do in Indianapolis. You're going to see a ton of red in that crowd. And I think the Chiefs are going to score over 30 points in this game, and I think they win this one by multiple touchdowns. Uh, I think the, the the spread right now, if I'm not mistaken, the Chiefs, I think we're five-point favorites. If I, maybe I'm wrong here. Um, no, the Chiefs are five-and-a-half-point five, five favorites. The over-under is 50.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that they, they get the under on that. I don't think that the Colts score more than 20 points in this one. So I think that it's going to be like a 31-17 kind of victory because the Colts just cannot generate any offense. And we saw Doug Peterson's team eggshell. The, the Colts in that game I know they struggle in Jacksonville for whatever reason yeah. they, they've never won in the Frank Reich era in Jacksonville Right, but Doug Peterson's from the Andy Reed tree Which means I know that De- that Andy Reid clearly knows what Doug Peterson knows mm-hmm. And I just think that I know Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce didn't play in that game But Alec Pierce may not play in this game Michael Pittman may not play in this game They won't be a hundred percent in this game in yeah. either way I think the Chiefs do enough to get a victory on the road here the Colts and I think they win convincingly
0: yeah um <clears throat> This this is a, this was a, a matchup we were all definitely looking forward to when we looked at the calendar and the, the, when the matchups all came out and the schedule came out. Um, yeah, Matt Ryan has looked really bad. Um, I think this is a good opportunity for our defense to go out there and kind of get a feast going because obviously that O line has been much much more underwhelming than we we thought it would be. We thought it would be uh, one of the best, arguably the, the best O line in football, and it's been bad, which is why Jonathan Taylor has not been able to get off yet. Mm-hmm. He has uh, he's having he hasn't had like those big game-breaking performances yet because the O-line has not been able to run block or protect Matt Ryan really very well on a consistent basis uh, we saw that against the Jags just last week they were getting there in their backfield all day long Jonathan Taylor got shut down Matt Ryan was getting sacked and t- the turnovers were piling up and this is the bad bad scene for that that Colts and this is this is a classic trap game situation obviously mm-hmm. for the Chiefs this is uh everyone's talking about it on social media is this you know Desperate teams are scary, you know. They can be unpredictable. Matt Ryan isn't really, un, hasn't ever really been an unpredictable guy. Matt Ryan isn't a guy that's going to shock you with his legs. He is going to make some crazy throw. Matt Ryan is who he is. He's very good at what he does. He's always been. He's a. He's a. He's a, he's a consistent assassin. Has always been a very accurate thrower of the football. But he's not a guy that's going to like whoa you with some kind of athletic prowess. So we're not worried about that there. It's now we're going to face, you know, a Kyler Murray or a or a, a Lamar Jackson or something like that or a Josh Allen. We're not facing one of these specimens. I think we're gonna get. I think we're gonna ruffle the feathers again. I think that O line is suspect right now. I think we're gonna get after them. Um, it's in a dome, so you know, Patrick. Obviously, you gave out the numbers. Patrick loves to get himself some dome. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I think you know. I think this is a perfect storm for the Chiefs' offense to go out there and shred this defense it has been far underperforming what they're supposed to be. Without Shaq Leonard, it is a huge loss still. Um, Trevor Lawrence was out there dicing them up without Shaq, you know. So I think I think I think you're right on the Kelsey call. I think that that opens up a really really big performance for Kelsey. I think he's going to he's going to probably be the guy as far as offensive performances goes. I can see him maybe getting a couple scores to make up for last week because he was, tough matchup last week. Um, but yeah, this is a game. And look, we have the best quarterback in September of all time. Like he's the best September quarterback ever. Um, it's not even close. So Patrick Mahomes is whatever it is about September, he just loves to ball out in September. The starting the season off hot is just something he does. Yeah. You know, so um following up that two test on performance last week I think he can go get him you know four or five of those this right. week I think I definitely think the chiefs score if every if the whole is fair and, and the 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 colts were who they were I know you said you picked them at the beginning of the year to this a game they lose even if that was the case and everybody was at full strength I still would pick the chiefs here because I just I just think this is a matchup where it's 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 in the chiefs favor because the, especially now without Tyreek being here in a weird way it has it has made us more unpredictable having an unpredictable Mahomes. He was always kind of unpredictable to begin with, but now the fact that he's even more unpredictable because he doesn't have those two dominant go-to guys. He obviously has Kelsey, but... There's two, we've been spreading the ball around far We've had games where nine different guys have caught the ball. You know what I mean? So, and then we've been throwing to the running backs more, which I love, and getting them, you know, the screen game going a little bit more. I think that'll be. I think I expect a lot of Kelsey and a lot of screen passes is in this game. I think a lot of yards after the catch from these running backs is going to be a way that we're really going to annoy that defense of the of the Colts. Um, I definitely am, am picturing a dominant performance. The spread is uh, obviously Chiefs are five point five favorites, but I expect us to win by north of seven, seven, eight points. So. Um, yeah, I, I think Mahomes is going to go out there and shred, especially with this time, this extra time off, the long week off, or the extended time. Um, this Chiefs team is going to be prepared. And we're not overlooking. I know everyone's talking about, oh, you guys have Brady next. We're not overlooking this team. We understand this is another AFC matchup. We've got to win these games. The Colts have been a team the Chiefs historically have struggled against. Patrick Mahomes doesn't want to carry on that tradition. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think this is a game where Patrick Mahomes is very well aware. Andy Reid, Andy Reid, even said in his press conference, "There's no way we're overlooking this team," right? Because he was asked that about the Tom Brady, you know, waiting in the, in the mist for the next week. So I think this is a game where the Chiefs' offense really gets off, um, everyone kind of eats. But I think Kelsey is the is the is the showman well, here for this and, week.
1: And also, I want to bring this up about the whole trap game aspect as well. As I, I again, it I think it's a
0: classic setup. For a yeah, player. I
1: do agree that that this is the. The quintessential, uh, the epitome of what a trap game would be because, like I said, the Chiefs have the Bucks, Raiders, and then the, the Bills, if I'm not mistaken, after this. Mm-hmm. So those are three big games for the Chiefs. I think that, you know, obviously the Raiders being the Chiefs' children, but it's still a divisional game you got to pay it close attention to, things like that. But um, trap games don't exist for Patrick Mahomes. Right. We have to remember this, that the only quote-unquote trap game the Chiefs have ever lost was to the Colts three years ago when Patrick Mahomes had an ankle injury, a foot injury, and he had Tyreek Hill out and Eric Fisher out. It was a very, very weird night. We were there, I remember that night, we were there at that game, and the Chiefs lost 19-13. to That's the only game Patrick Mahomes has ever lost to a team with a losing record at the yep. end of the season. It was the Colts was 7-9, and nine, and they had Jacoby Brissett. It was just a very, very odd game, and that since then has not happened. And again, there was a lot of context to that. Well, the Chiefs have a healthy Patrick Mahomes, have a healthy offensive line, have a healthy stable of wide receivers, and obviously Travis Kelsey. Um, the Chiefs have the better defense in this matchup, the better coach, better they like I said, they've got a lot of rest, a lot more confidence. It's, it, you're just really going to have to convince me. I, I do expect, like I said... I do expect the Colts to come out and fight. I don't think this team's going to lay down. I don't think the Chiefs are going to go out there and just start whooping them from from the moment they go out there. I think the Colts are going to come out with a good script on offense, and they're going to look decently efficient. They may even score a touchdown on their first drive. I can see that happening. But what's going to happen in the second, third, and fourth quarter when there's no script, and Matt Ryan's going to have to try to get creative out there, and their, their offensive coordinators have to get creative out there. Right. I don't anticipate that making much sense. I think that Chris Jones, George going can have very big games. I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, George Karloftis right now is tied with Aiden Hutchinson for quarterback pressures with nine.
0: And Carlos Dunlap keeps doing what he's doing. And Carlos
1: Dunlap looked really good against the Chargers. Yep. Mike Dana, I know he's out. Yeah, that sucks. That sucks, and he played Especially really well the against game. the Chargers, yep. but I think the Chiefs have just enough on the defensive side with multiple players out, Duffy Dana and uh, uh, Willie Gay out. I, I still think the Chiefs have the upper-handed Advantage against such a shaky and inept offense, because like like Trevor was talking about, with Matt Ryan not being able to create with his feet, being an older quarterback who sits sits in the pocket, he's a very traditional style of quarterback. I don't see how they extend drives on third downs. I just do. I don't see how they do it. I do expect them again to come out and look good on the script, because like I said, they're hungry, they're desperate, they know that this is their shot, an opportunity to beat the best in the AFC. You know, because the Chiefs get everyone's a game. You know, that we we see teams put out the effort they don't do on a weekly basis when they have the Chiefs coming to town. I do expect that. But the Chiefs are just significantly and clearly and definitively the better team in yeah. all aspects. Patrick Mahomes is going to absolutely carve up this Colts defense. I expect Patrick Mahomes to have another 300-plus yard game, four-plus touchdowns. He's going to just have one of those kind of games because not only does he dominate in do- domes, not only does he dominate AFC opponents, but this is something that we Peter King was talking to Colin Coward this week on his show about from the moment they traded Tyreek Hill. Patrick Holmes wears this band. And I don't know if people saw the video I had posted. But Peter King gave this incredible, incredible story about how Patrick Holmes has been wearing this band that, that basically tracks his sleep. Bobby Stroop, who's uh, Patrick's trainer, is the one that's been implementing these things for Patrick. Mm. And... It's been showing during this last this this offseason leading into the season that Patrick wasn't getting the sleep he's been wanting. And the reason why is because he's been in film and he's been practicing with his teammates so much this offseason because he wanted to make a statement immediately after losing Tyree Kill that there will be no drop-off. There will be no drop-off this week. Yep. There will be no drop-off. And it's funny to me, not to go on a tangent here, Trevor, but it's funny to me that we had fans that were bitching about Patrick Mahomes only throwing two touchdowns against the Chargers. If you span out two touchdowns a week in a 17-game schedule, that's 34 touchdowns a season. Peyton Manning only did that four times in his career where he threw 34 more touchdowns. Peyton Manning. Yeah. And if, if Patrick Mahomes does it this season, he would have the same amount and 13 fewer seasons. Ironically,
0: they're playing the Colts.
1: And ironically, they're playing the Colts. I'm just saying it just, it's just funny how, again, his greatness – like you said earlier about how Chiefs get the fatigue and people are always looking for that next thing. That's what they're doing with Patrick Mahomes where, oh, he only threw two, two touchdowns? What yeah. the fuck is wrong? <laughs> what happened to Patrick Mahomes? Is he okay? Is so there things going on in the house? Like it, There's always this weird stuff, and it's like his production is just never good enough. Mm. It's like he has to play like he did against the Cardinals every week for people just to be okay with what he did. It just, it's baffling. I expect Patrick Mahomes, like I said, to have a monster game this week because the Colts just do not match up well with the Chiefs. I know I picked that before, but I did not expect this team to look this bad and to be this banged up already. Chiefs win by a landslide. That's where I stand. Trevor, I think you feel the same way yep. as well. And that's where we leave it. I would love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you guys think about this matchup before the game. We're going to be there. The game is going to be in less than 24 hours. In fact, as we're recording this now, it's 1245. So the Chiefs are already be playing deep into that game. So we'll see how that goes. But let us know what you guys think. But in the meantime, Trevor, we have one more order of business to get to. What's it called? Hold L- This L! Each and every week we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. where they're friends Friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. We promise you, who is ever holding those L's in the
0: world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week? We touched on this game. We touched on this team. um, But I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins this week. Um, And I like the guy. I don't like him. Personally, he's really annoying as a person, if I'm being honest, and that's just my personal opinion of the man, just from the sound bites and what we know of him. He's just kind of a guy that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Solid quarterback, though. You cannot deny it. This guy, season in, season out, is always up there in passing yards, passing touchdowns, uh, doesn't throw too many picks. He's a very efficient passer of the football. Um, but for some reason, when it comes to primetime games and the lights are brighter and the eyeballs are, you know, there's more numerous eyeballs on you, he has the all-time worst record of minimum of 10 starts in primetime football games. He is 2-10. And, and I
1: fucking picked him. He
0: in is 2-10 straight. Look, granted, I'll give him. The matchup was tough. Right, is against a, a an Eagles team who is thriving right now, who, who's who's climbing the charts as best teams in the football yeah. right now. They're great. Jalen Hurts is taking that next step. It's definitely looking that way. And the addition of AJ Brown is just it's otherworldly. And that defense is even better than we probably thought right now. That's right. a scary team. Granted, he's played a lot of good teams in the regular season. He's, well, he's beat a lot of good teams in the regular season throughout his career? He's played some good Packers teams, and they've had battles with those Packers teams, and have beaten those Packers teams at times. Outdueled uh, Aaron Rodgers at times, which is impressive in itself. Two and ten straight up in primetime games for this guy, including the playoffs. Um, that is, like I said, the worst all-time record minimum of ten starts of anybody. Uh, I just want to kind of give you his stat line of the, that game uh, against the Eagles this past game. Uh, he was – so he lost 24-7. to 7. Uh, He threw the ball 46 times, had 27 completions, only 221 passing yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Two, I think two, one of them was directly in the, in the end zone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, this guy, I don't know what it is. Like I said, if you're a fantasy player, he's always a good pick later on in the draft uh, to, to lead your fantasy team. He always has good numbers in the regular games. Like, that's why we predict him to bounce back big because it's a noon Sunday game. He's probably going to ball the hell out. He's probably going to have 300 passing, 350 passing yards and, like, three or four touchdowns, two of them going to Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Dalvin Cook's probably going to eat. They're probably going to blow those guys out. But for some reason, man, his career – let me see. I think his career – Okay, no, but yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna go much further into that. We all saw it. Um, he once again laid an egg when the eyes were on him, The lights were big. So for that, Kirk Cousins, do me a solid favor and hold, hold this L.
1: Down. First and foremost, I'm throwing out a W to one of the greatest players in the MLB history. If you missed it late last night, like I did, I was already asleep. We all know that that West Coast uh, timeline is two hours ahead of us here, in, or two hours behind us in here in Kansas City. Um, the Cardinals were visiting the Dar- Dodgers, and we all knew that going into the game, Mr. Albert Pujols, known as the Machine, was sitting on 698 career home runs. Well, when I woke up this morning, it was so funny how it worked out. I woke up, and I saw a highlight from John Boy Media, who I love big time on Twitter. He always does like, the, lip, the lip readings and stuff like that in baseball and sports in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I saw him say that he talks about the 699th home run from the, the, the Machine. I'm like, oh, shit, he's one away. Oh, my God, I woke up, and I was, I was behind on all this, and I'm like, wow, he crushed that ball. Oh, my God, I can't wait to see him get number 700, and then I just kind of scroll up my feed, and I see Pulos hit another homer, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. He hit 700 last night? I missed it? I was so mad at myself, but I'm throwing a dub, man, to my guy, Albert freaking Pulhos at 42 years old. At least that's the age we're told he is. Um, knocking home his 700 home run last night in LA one of the hardest places to hit a home run by the way dropped both of them well over 400 feet absolute bombs. Just look like prime pools. That same swing every single time. It's so fluid. It's so beautiful. Yep. So precise and so powerful. Um, 700 joins the Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and of course Barry Bonds in the 700 club. It's only four players have ever done it. And Albert pools now in his 22nd season in the in the MLB. Nothing short of incredible. I've said, we've said on the show even recently that I think he's one of the three greatest hitters who have ever lived. I think it's him, Barry Bonds, and if I really had to throw another name in there, I'm going to either go with like Gail Cabrera, or something like that. More of a modern type of player. Uh, Hank Aaron, Tony Gwynn, guys like that definitely belong in that. These are guys that I saw play a lot, and that's why I put them in there. I, You know, you could always put another name in there, but I definitely think Albert Poulos is one of the three greatest hitters of all time because he wasn't just a home run hitter, and he struck out a bunch and only batted like two fifty-six. This guy batted over three hundred for about 14 years. So it's it's incredible what he did and i just wanted to throw my respects his way because you know i'm a big baseball guy trev yep. and and i and i've watched albert's entire career and he's been nothing short of just mast, just majestic and masterful and classy too the guy's always been such a a classy guy in baseball and everyone loves him everyone reveres him everyone respects him and he is without question one of the greatest players who ever lived and if he retires now he That's the ultimate bat, bat flip right there, man, because yeah. he did what he needed to do. And he saw just that that childlike love and excitement out of him when he rounded first, when he knew the ball was gone. Like He puts both his hands in the air, and seeing a grown man get excited like that over something is always cool to see, man, because you know that they put so much into that. Next, Aaron Judge needs to go and get number 62, because I want to see him break the AL oh, yeah. record as well. That would be so awesome. In the same season, Albert gets his 700th, and Judge resets the AL record. See people fighting over that. Ball.
0: Oh my god. Oh, they were throwing fish, man. It was amazing. Was piling. That was <laughs> wild, dude. <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah, I just want to throw a W there. I also want to throw a W out to, um, uh the New Heights podcast with uh, Travis and uh, and Jason Kelsey, this is long overdue. I think the Kelsey brothers are the most entertaining brother duo outside of the Twidwells. Absolutely. Um, I think the Mannings are definitely close, but I think the we are right up there with them. Uh, but the Kelsey brothers are definitely great, and it's so funny because when I watch these guys, it's like me and Trevor literally talking. It's it's so funny how these yeah. guys... It's literally like us. Well, I, I literally see Jason, I see me, and I see Trevor with Travis. It's so funny how it works out, yeah. man. But, but uh, I want to give a W to them because I think this is long overdue, and they already are just absolutely crushing it because it's it's sincere, it's raw, it's, it's it's genuine conversation that two brothers are having, and they're both very intelligent guys and very in, in, uh, entertaining guys, so you know they're coming up next. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mannings have the Manning cast. Once both Jason and Travis are gone, I've always said this, that I thought Travis was sure was going to get into like Fox or whatever, both of these guys are going to have careers in, in media. They, yeah. they, they have to. They yeah. just have to. They're so good at what they yeah. do. Uh, Hall of Fame talents on the field and Hall of Fame personalities as well. But I'm also going to add an L in here that has to do with yeah. what they've been saying. And it has to do with the same guys I've been giving Ls every single week, it feels like, over the last month. And it's to PFF. This is from the mouth of Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey in regards to PFF. Um, but I also think that there's agents out here paying guys to get higher grades than others. I did. names i have wondered that for years i, I try to Wondering? believe it's like yeah it's no doubt you in my think that's mind. a fact you no doubt in my mind yes no doubt in my mind i don't think so i i i choose to believe that pff is more credible than that but I'm um, more credible yeah I, yeah I think i think that if that was true that would completely ruin their website so i don't think that happens
0: you don't think there's
1: agents out here Paying these scouts to give higher grades so their players could make more money when they when it comes down to the bargaining. Gosh. You don't think there's uh, there's agents out here trying to s- slither their way into a few extra? I don't think so. No, I don't. I think that there's agents trying. I think PFF.
0: Uh... It's happening, Jason. <laughs> I just think <laughs> it would be so. Uh, well, well, either way. <laughs> and
1: I, I have to give Jason Kelsey some believe. Yeah, I'm giving Jason Kelsey a lot of credit here because I can tell he's really just trying to like give the benefit of the doubt to people because I'm sure he knows people that work within PFF. Mm. I mean, for God's sakes, Chris Collinsworth owns PFF. I love Travis
0: is so, straight up saying and, that though, and,
1: and, and that's what I want that's to say fact, next bro. because we know th- we've we've Trevor, you and I have known who Travis Kelsey is for ten years now. Mm. And we've seen the growth and development and evolution of Travis Kelsey, both the player and the man. We know how immature he was and you know hot-headed he was for the first like three years of his NFL career. He's and been then a you shooter, saw though. you saw in like 2017, 2018, him really take that leadership role. Mm-hmm. You know, he became a captain with the team and all the. After he threw that uh, that towel to the the Epic. ref against the Jaguars and got yeah, yeah. ejected, after that we saw a different Travis Kelsey. He really grew up, and I really appreciated that or about him. Yes, because <laughs> because Andy Reid needed that from Travis yeah. Kelsey because he knew he was going to be one of the guys that led the new era. He's the longest tenured chief.
0: Yep. He's been
1: here since Travis. He was one of uh, Andy uh, Reid's first selections in the draft ever yep. with with the Chiefs. So, here's what I have to say about this. <laughs> Something I know about Travis Kelsey, especially over the last five plus years, the man never says a controversial thing. And when he does, and when he has, he's been very serious about it. Travis Kelsey just said something very controversial, which leads me to believe he means that. He's very serious about Holds that. Weight. This is not an entertainment hot take, you know, because he's talking about people's professional lives. PFF is a very, very popular website that pays people's livelihoods, and he's calling them out and saying it's fraudulent. Straight up called it fraudulent, mm-hmm. saying that... Agents are paying these guys to give better grades to players so these players can get paid so the agent can get paid. Do you guys realize how much of a whistleblow that is? Because Travis Kelsey did just insinuate. He said it's happening, Jason. Mm-hmm. It's happening. And it almost like was dumbfounded that his brother doesn't agree with him. And knowing how me and Trevor are, if Trevor doesn't agree with me on something I think is just profoundly common sense, or vice versa, we're looking at each other like, bro, how the hell do you not believe that? Yeah. How do you not like what?
0: Jason said he chooses to believe.
1: He chooses because he doesn't want to get... That's a bias. Exactly. Yeah. And the, it doesn't end there. Mm-hmm. Because after that, of course, the cheerleader of them all for PFF, Sam Monson, wants to try to take shots at Travis Kelsey. He goes, quote, PFF taking money from agents to change grades is like flat earther conspiracy theory BS just doesn't happen. Agents pay PFF for information packets on their players to help them better negotiate with teams or help to pay their players in whatever area of deficiency, etc. All 32 NFL teams pay substantial amounts for the info and grades. PFF isn't going to jeopardize that in The to inflate random grades for a random agent that wants his guy to look better, as Jason Kelsey points out. This is a much more nuanced conversation. He sends a clip of what actually was being said. But what's funny about what Sam is saying, first of all, he's trying to compare it to flat-earther conspiracy theories. flat Earth conspiracy theories are based upon no factual evidence. When we actually have factual evidence that states that PFF is messing up on the grades so much so that people are literally quitting PFF. Mm-hmm. Because guys like Patrick Mahomes have broken their grading systems. They've admitted that. And again, Sam Munson, you want to talk about no substance or no proof of anything. How about you guys tell us how you grade players? Oh, it's opinion based. So Trevor and I could right now as we're streamlining this and live streaming the show, could come up with a grading system and then you would have to take it seriously because no, it's no validation no,
0: needed. Yeah. It's
1: no it, there's literally no legitimacy to it. Mm-hmm. I can that's why I said at the beginning of the show, I go off of what I know. I can say Patrick Mahomes is the best because of this number, because of what he's done in this regard, not because of my opinion. I go off of numbers that are based upon production, not, well, he threw that ball in a clean pocket, and it was almost interception-worthy in my eyes, so he's going to get an 80-grade, not a 95-grade because it was an 85-yard touchdown. <laughs> Like, think about how stupid that is, and it's so bad. And the same freaking day this came out that Monson said this stuff in rebuttal to what Travis Kelsey said, they gave Mitchell Trubisky a better grade against the Browns than Patrick Holmes has had all season.
0: So I'm saying. The story tells itself, man. It's I mean, you're
1: going to sit here and call out Travis Kelsey for calling out the truth. And then you guys are going to give Mitchell Trubisky a better grade than Patrick Mahomes, who's completing seventy three percent of his passes, averaging two
0: hundred eighty eight yards, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. Of course, they got to deny, deny that.
1: Of course, they have. They to. have to
0: deny that. But
1: did compare it to flat Earth conspiracy? I mean, Travis is like Kelsey. Funny.
0: Travis Kelsey, one of the most high profile players in this league, it was so certain. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, someone who's so certain of that—it's like, happening, Jason. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the man literally said, "It's happening, Jason." So for that,
1: I mean, I don't know what else to say. PFF has taken all the L's this week and for the last few weeks. I I don't know how they're even taken seriously at this point because as far as I'm concerned, they've pretty much just done away with their grading system, and now they're just looking for clicks. They're just looking for people to pay attention to them. They're basically the Skip Bayless of football grading. So for that, Sam Monson, PFF, Chris Collinsworth, well, well, all you guys, do me a solid and hold this L. Appreciate it.
0: Keep them coming, clowns. Keep them Absolute
1: coming. clowns. And I appreciate my guy Travis for doing
0: that, man. I actually didn't hear that. That was, that was my truth. first time hearing that. Brought out the yeah. truth. That was and that was, definitely
1: good. go subscribe to the New Heights podcast. One of these days we'll have the Kelsey brothers on our show. It's
0: definitely good. Well, it's been fun. Sorry, um, you guys can't see me, man. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think know. Of,
1: all, of either one of us brothers, that you need to see it'd be Trevor. Not I me. Mean, I don't fun. know. I
0: think my camera might have might have
1: might have hit the call, fritz. Yeah, called
0: it quits. Might, I don't know. We,
1: we've been having some technical difficulties, some testicle difficulties every once in a yeah. while here. But we'll get it fixed. You guys heard us. That's what matters the most. You guys got our our content, got our voices. Uh, Like I said, hit us up on YouTube. I know you can't see the better half of us right now, but we will fix that. I promise you guys very, very shortly. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hit us up on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. Subscribe to all of Starcade Media content because they have a ton of shows out there, guys. Arrowhead Allies, Kingdom Queens. They got a really good They got a really good platform. Absolutely. Uh, Clint and Noah are doing their thing, man. And we're glad to be a part of this thing. We really appreciate what they do and hopefully we give that back. Uh, but if you guys, like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Let us know what you guys think. Let us give us your takes, your thoughts. You can follow us on all of our, to our platforms at the bottom of the screen. Give us your thoughts. Join us, man. Let us know what you guys think. Buy our merch. Do whichever you guys want to do. Just be a part of this. That's what we're here to do that's what the spoken is all about so for the missing mr eddie ortiz mr yo 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 for trevor twidwell for the great great clay one that puts all this together on the back end as our producer we always appreciate i am lance twiddle episode 185 of the spoken podcast is done finished infinito. and finito. So and until we're here one week's time to discuss chiefs versus bucks we out of this bitch later hey, my